Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My I don't even know what that one meant. My name is Luke Kudowski of thebestpoliticalshow.com. As of course, we have a lot to discuss today. There's so much news to get into. As of course, we have illegals crossing into the United States guaranteed $10,000. There's the Courage to Serve Act. Trump just had a short list of his VPs. And Google Gemini AI just apologized for uh, replacing white people. What in the world is going on here? Well, we're going to be talking about that plus a lot more all for the next two hours. So make sure to, of course, to click the subscription button and to share this broadcast with your friends and family members. As, of course, you guys sharing this link is more important than ever, and your participation is greatly appreciated. One way that you guys get to participate in the conversation is to also sign up to LukeUnfiltered.com. If my producer is watching, he's going to be putting it in the comment section so you guys could easily click on it. It's also in the description. Click it right now. Join for less than $8 a month. And then by doing so, you guys get access to a lot of exclusive videos, 10 plus years of exclusive videos. We're going to be doing an in real life meetup this March 2nd in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And you get the ability to call into the show and ask us whatever you want. I am in the chat room right now. Sign up to lookunfiltered.com. And of course, we will be talking to you shortly in just a little bit. Another way to participate in the conversation is, of course, through Rumble Rants and Super Chats. And of course, my MySuperChats.com, our own website that only takes a 3% service charge and allows your text to actually show up on screen. MySuperChat.com, we appreciate any and all Super Chats, as of course you guys help fund this independent media organization that is reliant on you guys. We don't do a lot of ads, rarely if we ever do, and that's why your support is more crucial than ever, and we cannot thank you enough for all of your support, all of your help, which really does mean a lot to us. As of course, joining us for today's conversation, we have a lot of really interesting human beings in studio here with us. Today, one of them, Clint, left a big coffee bag in front of. His name is Andrew. Andrew, uh, for the people who might not know who you are, we have a long history. We go back a very long time. Who are you and how would you introduce yourself? Uh, <clears throat> I would introduce myself as, right now, the creator of the Alex Jones video game. If you go to alexjonesgame.com, you can play as Alex uh, destroying the globalists, the NWO. You can go there and... Uh, have a good time. It's not Hillary Clinton that you're shooting. It's not Klaus Schwab that you're killing. Uh, but you, you're having a good time defeating the globalists. In Alex a video Jones game. My goodness. Yes. We gave you a list of like things that you can't say and do. And it's like out of, <laughs> out of, out of, out of, out of the bat. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this. and th Come on. I said you Come wouldn't on. kill. I said you wouldn't kill. Uh, no, you just Hillary. stop saying the word. Just stop saying the word. <laughs> oh. uh, we, we got a taser for all the unfamily friendly people here that we're, we're training to, to use on Clint here. So, yeah, re read that list. I was like. I was like, Andrew, make sure you read the list of uh, Way the, the to YouTube. start the show, the, Andrew. The, the YouTube top police. He was like, I read it. Mm -mm. We also have <laughs> joining us in studio, Chris. Chris, for the people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? My name's Chris Masterjohn. I specialize in the art of biochemical optimization. I am specializing in trying to understand how we are all each unique and how our biochemical and nutritional needs change over time in response to the unchanging genetics and our changing life experience. 
and I have a PhD in nutritional sciences. I was assistant professor at Brooklyn College in health and nutrition sciences up until 2016. I left academia to work independently right around the time that the woke virus was starting to take over, and I feel like I escaped just in time. I also escaped New York just in time for some of the things that are maybe we're gonna talk about in this show. I, uh, I've been in Miami for about six or seven months, and I am now on a mission to achieve the world record in the slowest aging human. Nice. Uh, this should be definitely an interesting conversation because health hacking and looking into your genes and looking into the right practices is something that is a science in its own. Yeah. And a lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people are like, you got to do this and you have to do this. And, but they don't understand that some things are good for some people, some things are bad for some people. And you really got to be careful with what you do so you don't kind of hurt yourself out there. So this should be a very fascinating conversation. I definitely want to have that health conversation on Rumble since YouTube really doesn't like uh, holistic oh, yeah, healthcare conversation. I have a lot to say about things that we can't say about health on YouTube. <laughs> yes, there's, there's so many freaking things that is just absolutely crazy. I've been on my own independent health journey, so this should be a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and just like yourself i also left the crap hole that is new york city and i love it here a lot more watch your shoes clint is in the house soggy shoe man in the building uh clint russell i am the host of liberty lockdown who just received yet another strike on youtube for oh, telling uh, the truth oh gee i wonder why i tell the truth luke that's why i know we the water truth. we water it down for the first hour impermissible truths that's the name of the game and uh liberty lockdown i dropped a new episode today you will not be able to find on YouTube because I can't post anything there for weeks and weeks and weeks. So please do go to Rumble, watch it. Uh, go to my ex at Liberty Lockpot and watch it or subscribe on your phone. And while you're there, subscribe to Liberty Lockdown and the best political shows so that you never miss an episode. And now I'm going to go fix the reverb on our audio line because I don't know why I hear a hum. I think someone, uh, did, but just really quick before you go, what's your, rum, what's your Rumble channel? I believe it's just Liberty Lockdown. All right, let's Why make sure. Why are you soggy shoe, want. man? What's that about? Listen, uh, we'll explain that portion on Rumble. <laughs> that definitely isn't a family-friendly oh, explanation. Okay. Uh, what was it, the show Sunday or Monday that we got into it? Uh, I think that's better, Clint. I don't hear the buzzing anymore. Uh, but uh, th th there's a long, elaborate, funny story All right. that um, uh, came about with uh, soggy shoe. It was with Clint. Josie and Ryan on Sunday night's episode. If people want the, the behind-the-scenes as to why we keep saying that. I don't think you do, but uh, go check it out anyways. This is stuff we are changed, ready to push buttons. Let's go. All right. Uh, let's just start off the conversation as, of course, what's happening now in New York City. It, it's pretty absurd. It's pretty crazy. I think we got the buzzing back. So if you guys could just double check your microphones, make sure that it's plugged in correctly. And if there's any kind of power line that you guys see, let's just try to avoid it. Clint, you might have to just run a, a double audio check with everybody because there is some kind of hissing that is a little bit annoying. We're going to fix it just to make sure we have the best audio for you guys here but you guys make sure plug in your uh plug in your mics uh more uh, concisely if you can make sure it's it's in there correctly because there's some kind of freaking buzzing and i don't know what it is but uh clint is going to fix it as i introduce the first story and the first story is and now it's buzzing a lot it's buzzing a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot now it's not all right yeah that's what we're talking about here no buzzing at all. Thank you so much, Clint, for, 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 for doing that. And uh, let's get into the first story. And it's a story that Elon Musk just responded to by saying, "Why? Wow, 
with someone detailing how New York City Mayor Eric Adams has a plan to give illegals $10,000 each with no identification check required, no fraud controls, no restrictions. Just here you go. Here's a handout from the people of New York who, of course, are finding it more and more difficult to survive, that rents and apartments are becoming more and more expensive as grocery prices keep going up as well. But he's saying, you know what? The, the people of New York City could pay a little bit more. They could give a little bit more of their income. Let's give it all to, of course, the new future Democratic voters, as, of course, we are a sanctuary city. We told people, come on in. Then we told them no. But then we told them, hey, we're going to give you free hotel, free breakfast, free lunch, free dinner, and... On top of that, $10,000 without even checking or, or, or trying to find out exactly who you are, where their money's going to. And uh, we had the mayor actually face some criticism because of this. And now he's vowing to cut $1 billion from his $12 billion migrant budget plan. This is a crap ton of money. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely incredulous. Government spending when people are finding it harder and harder to make ends meet. You're going to give people a $10,000 blank check? What a slap in the face to the American people. How ridiculous is this? And could this get more ridiculous if, if they tried? I don't think so. I think they're, they're aiming for escape for New York. Uh, escape from New York level conditions. They want it to be like that film where Splinkin, uh, what was his name? Snake Splinkin? Snake Pliskin. Yes, there you go. Where it's just extremely dangerous. It already is. But you know, the truckers now, they're talking about completely boycotting bringing in food to the city. If that actually happens, where, okay, New York is full of uh, new immigrants, illegal immigrants that have a high propensity for crime, truckers aren't bringing food anymore. That literally can be like crazy Mad Max escape from New York level conditions in New York City. So I, I hope they keep pushing the accelerate button on that one. Go for it, New York City. Make everybody in the city uh, hate you and be angry and be upset. I, I, I support it. Yeah, but this is, this is the crazy part about all of this. He thinks that this is going to somehow save the city money. How? He's literally allocating, and this is the 10K, by the way. Uh, it, it's only $53 million in debit cards, right? That's a lot of freaking money. That's still not the billions of dollars that the city is spending on housing, on clothing, on, on, on feeding, on, clo uh, on, on like giving everything they can to people that we can't even identify. We don't know who they are. And he has the gall. He has the freaking hootspah to come out and say, I'm going to save you money by giving them all $10,000, which will incentivize a lot more people to come into New York City. And uh, uh, again, how is this not just a deliberate destruction of life in what used to be one of the greatest cities in the world and now is literally one of the biggest hellscapes that I wish no one, the, the freaking... I wouldn't wish my worst enemies to live in that utter freaking crap hole. I want to know how like AOC's constituents and the people in Harlem, I want to know how they feel about all this money for illegals. They've been like asking for money for public works and different things for so long. And now the money's being given not to the people in Harlem or AOC's constituents, but illegals that are being flown in, bust in. I want, I want to know how they feel about all this government cheese going to somebody else. That's what I want to know. I'm really curious what the fundamental underlying motivations are, because usually if I would be thinking on this on a national scale, I'm thinking, well, the rationale is pretty clear. You want to 
import more people to get a bigger voter base in the census, and if you import the immigrants into the democratic states, then you have bigger census, you get more representatives in Congress or something like that. But at a city level, I don't really see what's going on, right? Like New York City is something like seven to one Democrat. It's pretty much guaranteed you get a Democratic mayor. Their role in electing the governor is pretty locked in. Like what's the what's the goal of what's the real goal of of just flooding the city with more immigrants? I think uh, re replacing the local population, screwing everyone else over, creating a larger divide between the rich and the poor, uh, increasing the, the cost of housing, decreasing the cost of labor. There's many different kind of antidotes to this, not just to the kind of uh, intel agency connected human trafficking angle. There's also many different angles when it comes to, of course, slave labor for the multinational corporations. There's also the larger kind of action of just, uh, just, just, just destroying a country from within. And I, and I I do believe what's happening right now, retrospectively looking back at it, taking a step back and not just seeing the representation in Congress that New York is going to be getting out of this. But to me, this is this is a deliberate sabotage. This is the weaponization of human trafficking. This is this is a larger kind of unconventional warfare that is being waged on America, specifically one of the biggest cities in the United States. And what better way to bring down the United States than by bringing down one of the most important cities, the, the kind of symbols of capital, the, the symbols of Wall Street, what better way than to de-incentivize any kind of form of business there? Well, yeah. the, you know, I was actually kind of opposed to what uh, Governor Abbott and DeSantis and other uh, red state governors were doing when it came to these busing plans to try and transfer the problem to these other states to create the crisis there so that then maybe the federal government would do something. In hindsight, Looks like it worked. Uh, this is because they are now feeling the pain. This is no longer just like, oh, you're a racist if you have an issue with this. It's like, no, their entire infrastructure in New York City is on the brink of collapse. In fact, they're they're now handing out more money to the non-citizen population than they are to the citizen population in, in many regards. So I think that this is... It, tactically, it ended up being brilliant on on Abbott's part to to bust these people there because before that, obviously, there was still lots of migration, but it wasn't it wasn't this uh, fever pitch that forced their hand to acknowledge the issue. I mean, as much as I enjoyed laughing at New York City a second ago, the reality is <clears throat> the migrants are uncontrolled once they come into the country. They're allowed to go anywhere they want. Um, Taylor Hansen, a great uh, investigative journalist, independent. You know, he goes around the Phoenix airport. I moved to Arizona a few years ago. I saw this firsthand. There's illegals all over the floor, all over the airport. He's got video of it. He goes and asks them, like, hey, where are you going? They get a ticket. They go anywhere they want. And Laura Loomer recently went to an immigrant camp, I believe, in Panama. And she's asking them, hey, where do you want to go in America when you get there? And they're saying New York City. They're saying Los Angeles. They're also saying Orlando and Miami. So, you know... It's fun to laugh at New York. It's also tragic, as Luke said, them destroying a great symbol and actual place of American capital and capitalism. But these migrants are going; they're destroying Phoenix. Scottsdale's already allocated money for, uh, or excuse me, Arizona's already allocated money for Scottsdale hotels to house these illegals. And they're going to Florida. They're going to red states. They're going everywhere. Alex Jones has said the plan is to bring in a, a three hundred million or more 
illegals, they want to replace the American population. That is a fact. Yeah, we definitely don't have enough Spanish-speaking people here in Miami. Let's definitely <laughs> let's definitely get more of them in here. As of course, I'm I'm the type of guy I refuse. Espanol, no, no, nada, señorita. We are gonna speak English now, and I'm just gonna speak louder uh, if you don't understand me here. Because like, <laughs> Clint, Clint agrees. Clint, Clint does it worse than I do. Uh, but but Clint also sent me a, a very interesting video of what looks like a chubbier uh, Eric Adams. This is this a family-friendly video? Can we play this, it, Clint? Well, I think so. He doesn't say anything profane, but he does give a tour of his uh, children's room where he finds firearms. So if that's a problem, I don't know. What, what, what point is that? Uh, about a minute in. Okay, we'll play a minute of it. I'm New York State Senator Eric Adams, and for 22 years, I wore a bulletproof vest. Please come and join me inside my house. What I would like to show here is to empower parents on how to search a room inside their home. You write the Constitution. There are no First Amendment rights inside your household. So by periodically sending a message to your home that there are no rooms off limits, you don't believe in locked doors, your house is open to inspection, but you always have to inspect what you expect. You can look at... Wait, is this, is this really the mayor? That's the mayor. No way. I swear to you. Wow. This was when he was a state senator. I think he was the police chief after this, and then he became the mayor of New York City. Fast forward 10 seconds so you missed the bad part and go to the backpack. He was president of Brooklyn. All right, yeah. Just listen to this. In addition to a book, something simple as a crack pipe, a used crack pipe. Could he have found it on the street? That's quite possible. But this is a a discussion piece where you should start speaking with him to find out what is he doing with it. Behind a picture frame, you can find bullets. What does that mean to find bullets? Does it mean your child is, is carrying a gun? No. Where there's smoke, there's possible fire. Where there's a bullet, there's possibly a gun. Right, the right, baby stop, stop. dog. How, how dumb is this guy? Like, <laughs> freaking hell. How, how much of an idiot is he? I literally thought that was like a like a comedy skit. I literally thought someone like just just was like a fatter version of him. No, nope. just, just I thought it was an S, like this was what SNL would be doing if they were still funny. Uh, but no, this is actually the mayor of New York City being funnier than SNL unintentionally. That's what we just <laughs> witnessed. It's that's amazing. Cr- that's crazy. When um, was that video from? Uh, it looks like it's probably six years, seven years ago. It's it's a while back. I, I just found it last night because uh, Shane Gillis and the funny other comedian anyways they were doing this podcast and they they played it and i thought it was fake i thought it was ai uh, so i had to immediately search for it and when i found it there's other parts of that video that we can't play that are just so hilarious basically his kids look like they're drug kingpins and he's talking to them about how there's no uh first amendment protections in your home but what he's actually talking about is the fourth amendment when it comes to legal search and seizure and the guys he he became the police chief and the mayor of New York City and he twice references the first amendment as if there's like free speech issues at at hand he's a moron yeah and, the, and you know i mean he's like hey look there's crack pipes and bullets in your children's i mean what, what are you like, what? this 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 didn't surprise me at all and actually sounds really familiar to me it consistent with his personality. So before he, I lived in Brooklyn when he was president of Brooklyn before he became mayor of New York City. And there was a period in time in uh, 2015 when de Blasio first took office as mayor and he got rid of stop and frisk. And there was a seven month period where they were working with the feds to bust big gangs and drug dealers. But during the seven month period before they started doing that, it was basically a free-for-all. And so I was in the 70th precinct in Brooklyn, and my 
uh, year-to-date murder rate went up 700% that year, uh, and there were there were shootings every day, and there were people getting um, pulled out. Like, in the restaurants, they would not rob the cash register. They'd go around and hold up each individual customer in the restaurant. It was crazy. Um, but there was a town, a town meeting called with Eric Adams uh, as, when he was president to come to the community to talk about the gun violence. And he gave a big speech about how back in the day before he was police chief, when they had a crack epidemic, they realized that they couldn't rely on the cops. And so they had to set up neighborhood watches out there and they had to, you know, the grandmothers had to go stand on the street corner and stand up to the, to the crack dealers and say, no, you can't be on this corner. And he used to, and so he, he, he came across as very much coming from this era, uh, like he came to his own in the era of crack was everywhere and you have to take it upon yourself as a citizen to defend your community. Um, so it seems it seems very consistent with where he was he was coming from. My goodness. I, I bet he tried a little bit himself. But that's just my own two cents. And of course, we have another super chat here. The way he the way he's acting, the way that video came off, the way that the way the way he's leading New York. The guy's in a nightclub nonstop. All right, he's trying to party with with Jay Z and all these other Illuminati freaking nefarious characters. He's wearing seven hundred dollar freaking scarves and he's lecturing people about uh, economic uh, inequality. Yeah. Okay, buddy. He, he he definitely had a little bit himself. Let's not lie here to ourselves. As of course we have a super chat here from Keith P. It's his third super chat saying, "Luke, also the commercial properties and luxury apartments are used for money laundering by foreign nationals." Uh, yeah, a lot of the times that does happen. And uh, basically, what, what's happening with the cost of living, especially with apartments, especially with hotel rooms, is just astronomical in New York City. Now we're getting news that the city council is also going to be investigating Mayor Adams and his plan to give $10,000 debit cards to illegals. As of course, this is this is just a small portion of the billions of dollars that this city already is planning to spend and has already spent on, of course, replacing the local population there. And this is, uh, I, again, the details of this are, are pretty freaking crazy. They're spending a quarter million dollars managing uh, all the fees here. There's $1.5 million for the first $50 million that's headed out, $2.5 million for the next $100 million, no ID checks required, no fraud controls, no restrictions. And yeah, they, they should be investigating this. We should know exactly where this money is going. As of course, these illegals aren't aren't from Ukraine. You know, with Ukraine, we give them money, we don't check where it goes. Illegals, yeah, we'll give them money, we don't check where it goes. Meanwhile, we're in a huge national debt that there is barely any chance of recouping or coming back from. And it's it's pretty hard to make the, uh, the diversity argument like, no, we have to permit this because we need more diversity. It's like, you ever been to New York? Pretty diverse. I don't know if you're going to get more diverse than New York City. So, uh, yeah, that argument falls flat. One other point I wanted to make is that I think a lot of this is being utilized to cover up the the commercial real estate implosion that would be happening happening otherwise. If you, I don't know about New York City as well as I do uh, California, but if you go to Los Angeles, if you go to San Francisco, even San Diego to a lesser extent, you will see that small businesses were just absolutely obliterated during the 2020-2021 arena. And because of that, the the rent started to drop. 
Because of that, you saw these regional banks that started to implode. If you remember just a year ago, it got to be kind of a, a crisis level where the Federal Reserve and the Treasury actually intervened to create these bailout programs. So this is a big deal. And I think that if you actually look at the behind the scenes I think that's a large part of the reason that New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles are going to start to offer offer free housing to these migrants. But in, in reality, they are paying the commercial property owners to try and keep them solvent. I think it's a delay of the day of reckoning. Yeah. And restaurants and other services and sanitation services and cleaning services. It's, it, it's a racket. And of course, a lot of no bid contracts, a lot of companies that are just coming in and saying, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. But give us a crap ton of money and then of course the larger transfer of wealth happens is of course the politicians that are close to the businesses those are the ones that usually get selected with uh, no competition at all and uh, essentially the politicians are selling out their local constituents and we see that also not just in new york city but places all around the united states including of course chicago where there's a viral video going on that uh, has black Chicagoans slamming their mayor for accusing them of replacing them with migrants. They're even calling for, of course, reparations. They're calling for a decrease in tax property only for uh, black people. I, tax property, unethical, evil, should, should, shouldn't be applied to, to anyone uh, because why are we paying taxes when the government literally prints money out of thin air? But not only that, they just take our money and they literally redistribute it to random people that we don't even know where it's going to. As, of course, the more migrants that come into the city, more crime has been reported. We've seen this in Europe. We've seen this in Sweden to the point where they literally stopped a lot of the reporting of actual crimes, especially the ones that happen against women, from even being documented correctly. So is this a population replacement? I think so. What do you guys think? I'm just hoping that uh, the people in Chicago, the people across America are getting pissed off enough that if they uh, voted for Biden last time, that they're thinking about voting for Trump or they're not going to vote at all. Because if Trump gets into office, hopefully he can deport. He's talking about doing a very aggressive deportation of millions of people. That's what we need. And just like the Biden administration hired, what was it, 60,000 IRS agents, uh, the Trump administration needs to hire prosecutors, 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 go after every single person they can for treason, for enabling this invasion of America. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Barack Obama deported way more people than Donald Trump did. Is that is that I correct? Think that's true. Because actually. Barack Obama was a major deporter of of individuals. His nickname was Deporter in Chief. And uh, Drone Bomber in Chief as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. I looked at Trump's numbers. A lot of people are like, oh, look at that huge dip of, of immigrants that came into the United States. One, Trump was involved in a lot of legal court uh, battles that prevented him from actually taking action. The guy, the guy couldn't even build a wall. Um, and, and then when he was in, in, in power, he kind of was a little helpless there. So my kind of question to you is, how is what is he going to be doing different? Because the, the first go around, when that, that migration kind of stopped, it wasn't because of his policies. It was because of the global sickness that uh, Dr. Fauci, the CIA, Echo Health Alliance kind of manufactured in Wuhan, China. So how did you think there's actual action steps that he could take that could be different than, than his first administration that could, that could actually address this? Because I see them pulling out all the stops trying to prevent him from doing anything. So the first thing you ask me is what's going to be different if he comes back this time. It, first is personnel is policy, who you surround yourself with. 
and Jared Kushner has already said he's not going to be part of the next administration. When I Trump, hope so. When Trump was in office first time around, he was ready to do some legislation against the Dreamers, uh, the DACA. The, a lot of these are adult male uh, that should not be in the country. They're illegal immigrants like any other illegal. And Trump was getting ready to push legislation uh, and kick them out of here. And Jared Kushner stopped it. So I think this time around, Trump is going to surround himself with loyalists, not people that uh, have a knife out for him like H.R. McMaster or uh, Bolton, but people that are loyalists and people unlike Jared Kushner that aren't Democrats, people that actually want this country to succeed and to be different than what Joe Biden is giving us, which is the destruction of America. Yeah, Barack Obama was the deporter and chief. Joe Biden is the importer and chief is something that I'm tweeting out uh, right now. Clint, you sent me another uh, video of these uh, Syrian uh, migrants that were seen with uh, tactical sw sweaters on. They're not really tactical sweaters, but they're a brand that represents a tactical kind of gear company. Here's the video that uh, Clint sent. Where are you from? Syria. Syria? Syria. Uh, what's your name? Milan. Milan? Why did you come to the U.S.? Uh, why coming to U.S.? No? No, English. Okay. Where are you from? From Syria. Syria? English? So-so. Why are you coming to the U.S.? Why come? Because we, uh, we love America. And uh, we need uh, a nice style, a nice life. Yeah, coming uh, for jobs? Yeah, a nice job, a nice... Uh, because... Uh, our country uh, uh, very weird. What's your name? Danny. Danny. Good luck. Thank you. Where are you from? Ahmed. Syria. Syria, too? What's your name? Ahmed. Ahmed? Ahmed. Uh, same question. Why do you come to the U.S.? Uh, I'm Spanish or Arabic. Where are you from? Yeah. Um, you know, again, you can't really judge an individual just by looking at one particular video, but uh, it's fair to say with the borders wide open, with mayors saying, come on in, we'll give you $10,000, you're, you're, you're importing a lot of individuals who, of course, want to take advantage of that situation. Some of them want to work. Some of them want opportunities. Obviously, that, that's very clear here, but a lot of them are also sold a bunch of lies. They're not told the truth here. For, for these people to be called refugees here doesn't really make sense because if you're in Syria, right, if, if you're really fleeing something, which... A lot of people in Syria are mainly because of American foreign policy that kind of destroyed that region. You go to your neighboring country. You, you, you go to, of course, Iraq. You go to Jordan. You go to Lebanon if you're really seeking actual legitimate refugee status. But the way that these people are able to enter is just by saying, hey, I'm, I'm entering refugee status here, even though I have to fly and cross 30 countries and cross oceans and be here, which, which again, is not how the law is supposed to be implemented, that they're kind of using as a loophole for a lot of these kind of entries into the United States. So, uh, uh, again... A lot of military age fighting males, lots of different conspiracies, lots of different theories about what's really going on here. As, of course, we have a Republican and a Democrat proposing things like the Courage to Serve Act, which is an actual bill which will guarantee citizenship to illegal migrants if they serve in the U.S. military. Now, service in the U.S. military, recruitment numbers in the U.S. military, all time low. Some people are saying this is the way to fix it. 
I don't think it is. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't want people who aren't Americans suddenly comprising the American military. You know, it's been discussed for a long time that the left, the the commies, whatever, would want to use the military against the American people. What better way to do that than staff the American military with people who aren't American? And when Luke was saying earlier, you know, joking, there's enough people speaking Spanish in Miami. Yeah, it's not just Latin America being emptied out into America. As he pointed out, people from across the Middle East, people from Africa, people from Haiti. And there's video now, people from China, uh, Amer- military age men from China, videos of them uh, all in a large group. 20,000 into California over the first month of this year. It's very, very odd unless you look at it like this is a planned strategic operation. That's the only way that I can look at this and it makes any sense. Well, let, let me just circle back to the the original point. Actually, the reason I saved that, it's not even because they're wearing the 511 you know, potential tactical gear. Like Maybe these guys are totally good human beings that are here for the right reasons. I have no idea. The point I wanted to make is that you know, as Luke alluded to, the reality about Syria is that our CIA has been there. We have military bases there against with no declaration of war. Barack Obama attempted to invade them uh, seven, eight, almost 10 years ago now. Uh, he ended up backing off because he couldn't get the will of the people. And then he, he threw it to Congress. Congress wouldn't vote for an invasion. But that didn't stop them from doing their black ops programs and putting U.S. military bases and U.S. troops, which, by the way, we just lost two of them uh, just a week ago. And that was almost Casas Belli. We almost went to war over it. So this is a the the immigration crisis is a product of the American empire. And, and I think that 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 is the that is kind of the the root of the issue. This is why there are so many people that are seeking refugee status. So if we can el- eliminate that as a factor, well, then we realize that these aren't refugees. In fact, the vast majority of these people are are doing it for economic reasons, which you do not have any legal right to enter America against our laws if you're not actually a refugee that's fleeing a, a you know war torn nation or something to that effect. So let's stop with the tearing these nations apart via war. And then we could actually, uh, you know, deal with some sort of legal immigration program to make sure that this does not get out of control, which it clearly is. Or at least just have some measures being like, okay, if you want to enter, these are the kind of requirements here. Okay, we've got a project we're working on with uh, NASA to do some uh, deep fake Photoshop stuff. (laughs) So we need all the best Photoshop artists from India. We get free India Photoshop visas for uh, all the Indians who could make NASA images look really cool and interesting. That's that's all done by by AI now, Luke. I don't think they need them anymore. That's true. I'm just giving an example (laughs) of saying like, hey, there's a need. We should have a demand based on people's kind of skills, people's kind of uh, acclimates and and who they are as individuals. And we should really be going after, if we're going to be importing people because there is a population crash, number one, we should be prioritizing kind of more nationalistic policies that incentivize uh, either through tax incentives or monetary incentives that allow people to have families, that allow people to, of course, live comfortably and and be able to be supported while having families, not just supporting single-parent households uh, here in the United States and incentivizing that through the fiscal policies that do that. But if you really did give a damn about this country, there's a lot of things that you would be doing completely differently. And uh, sadly, they're doing the exact opposite of that. They're- and truth, I mean, truth be told, like, uh, I agree with you, obviously, that it's not a great idea to have your military filled with people that aren't Americans. However, the the guidelines that they've changed so that you can have uh, more and more, you know, LGBT 
LGBTQ members of the military, and and they're obviously targeting you know college graduates that come from the progressive worldview. That's concerning in its own right. Like I would almost have more faith in these like uh, a Mexican migrant that wants to become an American citizen than I would uh, a college graduate out of Wesley. And like those people, I'm really afraid of, and I don't want them in the military at all. I think the answer, as usual, is that we need to diminish the size of the state, and and then this won't be such a huge issue. But we're ramping towards World War III while we are, like, on one hand, we're trying to suppress the domestic population and reproduction rates. We're totally disincentivizing people from getting married. The inflated currency is making it harder and harder for household formation. And then simultaneously, we open up the gates and we allow any migrant of fighting age, and then we say, hey, we're going to fight World War III. You want to become an American citizen? This is how you do it. Oh, by the way, we're also bankrupt. So, like... This is, this is a catastrophe, and I'm so sick to death of the libertarians that are just going, public property is okay, and you just you, we can't have regulations. That makes you a tyrant. Dude, if you want to live in a dystopic hellhole, allow this to continue. Have nothing to say about it. You should be, you should be dismissed if that's your perspective, and I mean that. Ha- having random chai comms and random Syrian dudes that just walked across the border, a part of the U.S. military, sounds like a wonderful idea. Sounds Jeez. so great. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing that could go wrong with that, and, you know, someone has to uh, die for the profits of Raytheon and Boeing and all these other military-industrial complex monsters that create false flags and false incidences in order to get us into wars that we are pointlessly fighting for no larger geopolitical strategic reason for the United States. Yeah, who else is going to do it, right? The AI, the machines, the robots that already are uh, pretty powerful as well. I mean, they they have a sick, sick plan. You know, they want to make it so that our currency is only valid in certain regions, you know, that we can't even travel. Let's say you live in Florida, that you can't go to Chicago or somewhere because your currency isn't valid. They want to have such dystopic regulations on the people. How could they ever enforce that if they had a patriotic, uh, American-loving military, uh, American-loving populace? That could never happen. They have to bring in these third-worlders. They don't care anything about the Constitution. They don't understand the Bill of Rights or even the concept of rights. What we have in America is so unique and not found anywhere across the world, really, that bringing in migrants that don't understand this country, yeah, okay, I enforce this law, fine. Whatever you tell me to do, I want my citizenship, I want my government welfare, I'll do whatever you want me to, to the people that are already here. So, But, uh, but Andrew, the majority of college graduates in this country, you know, they don't value the Bill of Rights. Most of them think that, that like, banning AR-15s is, is a debatable issue. I mean, these people are totally, totally brainwashed. None of, they don't value, honestly, I honestly believe this. I think that the majority of immigrants have more in common with the American ethos than the American college graduate. You, you can say that, but you look at the numbers and immigrants to America, just all immigrants to America, they vote something like five to one for the Democrats. And by one more justice, uh, DC versus Heller would have been five for the other way, literally ending the Second Amendment. And that yeah. was only a few years ago. So you no, can you're, you're say right. That, you're, no, you're right about that. You can say, oh, the migrants, like they say about the Catholics from Mexico coming here, they you know they have Christian ethos or they have American ethos, but they vote Democrat, and the Democrats keep trying to take all of our rights away yeah, as much cl- as they possibly can. We need the Slavics. Where are the Slavic? 
uh, gopniks that are going to walk through the freaking southern border right now. You guys have it in you. You guys are tough. I, I'm, I know you guys are allergic to the sun here, but I, I think we need more Eastern Europeans who hate communism, more Cubans, more people. Just come on in, guys. I mean, it's free. You get free handouts. You get free checks. Why the frick not? I want to start a mass mobilization right now of all my 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 Adidas wearing homies, all my vodka drinking friends. Please, lots of free vodka, lots of free booze. Let's party here in New York City. Let's go. Eastern European communist refugees. I totally agree. Cuban refugees, absolutely welcome. Open arms. I will even show you where to pick up ladies. But. Uh, the point I'm making is not that the the broader he's going to bring them to a shoe store. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I got to find out about this joke. <laughs> the, the the it's not my argument is not that the broader migrant uh, you know demo is going to vote Republican or value the Constitution. My argument is rather that even if you were to close off the borders, if you don't deal with academia, if you don't deal with social media, if you don't deal with Hollywood influence. You're, the the younger generation has already been indoctrinated to such an extreme degree. I don't think you win regardless. No, that's a separate issue, but that's also that's a valid issue. That's why I made Alex Jones the video game. If we don't have culture where it's you know strong man doing fun things, <laughs> then yeah, the the rule of cool. We have to make things cool that make it cool to be a strong man, to be a liberty-loving American. So yeah, alexjonesgame.com, the Alex Jones video game. We need movies. You know, the Daily Wire is putting out movies, but they don't look so good. But we need right-wing culture to make a comeback so that it's cool to be a man. It's cool to stand up for your rights. There's such we, an, need, there's, yeah. there's we, such need, we need Slavic, Slavic squatting culture. We need tracksuit culture. <laughs> we need, seriously, the, the Polacks, you guys travel all over the place. You go to freaking England. Why? Why are you in England? Or come to the United States now. The doors are open. The incentives are there. Let's go. For- I, I was just thinking about this last night, actually. Like the there's such an enormous void for decent content. Like, because if you go, if you watch, like I, I remember uh, during lockdowns in particular, they started to have to like force feed us foreign content because they ran out of American oh woke gosh. woke garbage. You remember that? Um, but it's like if you just produce movies that are actually focused on character development and have any sort of affinity for America, like people will eat that up because especially my generation, like we're just starving for it. It's so sad to watch the average thing that, that is, uh, you know, produced and, and put out to the widest audiences in America these days is just so disheartening. There is a lot of right wing talent that wants to make films. John Dutois is a friend of mine. He makes Lauren Southern's documentaries. Yep. Amanda Milius. I, I know a lot of the uh, Scooter Downey. I know a lot of the right wing filmmakers that are really talented. They have great things to say in films, but film takes investment. And yep. the right wing. You can't the, get bank loans. The donors give all the money to the RNC, to politicians, but they don't understand the rule of cool. You need to make being Republican cool. How do you do that? Make movies. That's why the Democrats, they put so much propaganda in their films. Hollywood is such a big propaganda machine. The CIA works with them because they know propaganda in movies and music. That's how you reach the next generation. Right-wing people with money have to understand. You want to reach the next generation? Start funding artists. Yeah. That's the that's the gun of this era. Yeah, 
and the right wing the and the right wing uh, kind of billionaires, millionaires, they don't like to spend their money. They they don't like the left. The left spends a lot of money on culture, a lot of money on institutions, a lot of money in the entertainment industry, which I I would say is working when it comes to their kind of larger takeover of institutions and and having a an important marker on people's behavior. Yeah, well, it's certainly working. The issue though is that. Just as our government is imploding upon itself, so is our culture, because so much of what they're producing is counterproductive and ultimately unhealthy for people. So I think that it's a dead end. It, like you, you can produce and compete with these people, but it is extraordinarily challenging because the ESG DEI framework that makes it very hard for, uh, you know, independently minded. I'm not even going to say conservative, but just media that isn't overtly progressive, isn't super woke. It's going to be very hard for you to get a distribution deal with Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of these companies. It's going to be very hard for you to go to bank and and get a loan it's going to be very hard for you to get investor capital and you guys you guys are all absolutely right that that you know more conservative leaning uh wealthy folks they don't invest their capital in this type of stuff i'm going to be honest with you though i think it's because they like especially just look at how the gop's treated donald trump he's probably the first guy who had like swag that that like the broader american audience you including minorities were like i like this dude and what did what did the what did the establishment do to him they did the exact same thing that the Democrats did. They they hate the guy. They hate the fact that he's got any sort of appeal. They want the Mitt Romneys of the world. They want those dudes to be the the flag bearers to their to their cause. The American people are done with it though. So I I think that they are intending to lose. Yeah. Speaking about Donald Trump, while New York City is importing new migrants and giving them ten thousand dollars each, they're also politically prosecuting Donald Trump. As of course we have this latest ABC News article detailing how Letitia James says she is now prepared to seize Trump's buildings if he can't pay his $354 million civil fraud fine. Now, this is a, a major action. This is something that, of course, would be very symbolic, to say the least here. But uh, Trump is directly under attack by New York City. He's facing a huge major fine. And I wouldn't be surprised if New York City comes in and says, you know, that, that really beautiful Trump Tower, we're just going to take it. We painted Black Lives Matter outside of it before, and we protected it with police officers. We made sure no one interfered. No one wrote their other political messages. We made sure our political message was right on front of your doorstep. What if they take Trump Tower and they're like, yeah, let's make it into a migrant uh, uh, motel oh, now. Let's, let's get everyone in there. And uh, with the way that things have been going politically... Why wouldn't they if they're so already above the law, if they're already abusing the, the justice system? Why wouldn't they do that? That's probably going to happen. That's sad. That's a sad thought. And yeah, I don't know what there is to stop them. Uh, maybe Trump can appeal it to the Supreme Court. Well, the, the whole appeals things, I'm even hearing that he has to put up a whole huge uh, sum of money just in order to, to appeal. But these, these legal battles, these court proceedings, they take a lot of his time, a lot of his resources. And what better way to try to stop someone from becoming the next president of the United States than taking away his resources, taking away his ability to be able to advertise, to be able to, of course, get his message out there to the general public. This is going to be a very close election, uh, a lot closer than a lot a lot of other people expect it to be. And uh, this, this matters. And this is one out of many court proceedings that he's going to be going through. And, uh, and, and again, love him or hate him, 
it, it's pretty fair to say that, that he's being politically prosecuted here. There's no other way of seeing it. That's what gets me. So many people, uh, libertarian-minded, they'll still say things like Donald Trump is controlled opposition. And to me, it's crazy. We've never seen lawfare at this level against any presidential candidate of our lifetimes before. Lawfare is warfare, as Ali Alexander once had a podcast called, where he described all of the things they're going to do to Donald Trump, trying to kick him off the ballot. He said that years ago, and it happened. This lawfare is absolutely to destroy Donald Trump, to make sure that he's as uh, hamstrung as possible, hands tied behind his back to try and become president. And anybody that thinks this man is, is not for the American people, George W. Bush was never impeached. Donald Trump was impeached, what, two or three times? All of this lawfare against him, trying to take all of his money, his time, trying to throw him in jail. They fold a false affidavit and spied on him with the FBI. I mean, look, I agree with you. I'm very frustrated with some of the libertarian community. I think the vast majority of libertarians do recognize that this is prosecution and persecution of a political dissident. Regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, it's evident that's what's happening. And if you think that they're going to go for Donald Trump like this and they won't come for us like that, you're out of your effing mind. Of course they will. This is the whole reason that I'm constantly in the defensive mode with Donald Trump is because I recognize not only is it a threat to the political, uh, you know, competitive environment, but also this is a major threat to property rights. I mean, what we're talking about in New York City, where they are basically intervening on behalf of a bank that didn't have a loss, didn't have a complaint. They are now dictating that a wealthy real estate developer who did nothing wrong can no longer run business in New York for three years and is facing over a half a billion dollars in fines. If you think that isn't sending a chill down the spine of every single job producer in New York City or any blue state all over this country, you're stupid. This is so obvious. As a business guy, I'm telling you, everybody is hearing this. And the business people that aren't hearing it, the only reason that they're not taking it seriously is because they have already imbibed of the progressive worldview and they think that they're going to be able to get away with it. They're wrong too. They will come for all of us eventually. This is precedent setting. We have to stand with Trump, even if you don't like the guy. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah, love them uh, or hate them. I want to add an angle yeah. to this. So I think... Um, one of the things that's been going through my mind is like how the math works out with who's going to pay for what. And I think a lot of this, ju just give them 10K type of stuff, is uh, very likely to provoke a fiscal crisis. So one of the guys that I follow, his name is Tom Luongo. And one of the unique ideas that I got from him is, as a, as a libertarian, I don't like the Fed, right? But he's pointed out that Geopolitically, remember, Powell is the head of the Fed. Powell was appointed by Trump. Um, Powell has been basically doing the trying to do the opposite of what Yellen has been doing as Secretary of Treasury. And he argues that the Powell Fed is on the side of the New York banks, which we shouldn't love, but they are trying to preserve their power from the centralized Davos crowd in Europe, right? So if the New York banks lose to Europe and CBDCs take over, they're going to be centered in the old aristocracy of Europe and the power is going to be over there. So Powell's not on our side, but Powell is on the side of the New York banks, is aligned with Trump, is generally aligned with classical American pro-bank ideals, yeah. which, he's, is he's very, which is very, very different from Yellen, right? So what's been happening over the last couple of years is Powell has been winding down the money supply uh, once he was reappointed. Um, 
and Yellen has been trying to spend the money. And one of the one of the issues here is that if the dollar gets too strong because of tight monetary policy in the United States, it will put you, the European um, the European Union will have to straddle two opposite priorities of trying to preserve them politically versus themselves politically versus uh, preserving the the euro against the dollar. Um, and so I think a lot of this stuff might be, if we go back in history to New York, we can look at the history of when the tax base left the first time and New York got in a lot of debt. And what did they do? They went to the president of the United States and said, we need a bailout. That failed once, then it came in and, and went through. I think New York could just be saying, like, make the tax base go away, give all the money to the immigrants. We want a fiscal crisis that we will lay on the hands of the federal government. Um, Biden and Yellen want a fiscal crisis because if they run out of money giving student loan forgiveness debt, now all of a sudden they have the rules in place of we need to make dollars or everything falls apart. And it's a it's a leveraging point to try to get loose monetary policy in the U.S. And if they can force the hand to get loose monetary policy back in the U.S., that can also create a situation in New York where they don't need a tax base because they're just being funded by the federal government and they can allow like a complete reconstruction of the city wow. with, you know, no need for Wall Street to be there anymore. Yeah, they want everyone on the government uh, teat as much as they they want everyone reliant on the federal government and this is why we see so many programs that de-incentivize people being personally responsible for themselves being individuals who could make a living for themselves this is why we're seeing an attack on a lot of independent people specifically farmers small businesses entrepreneurs and uh, this is bound to get way worse of course some people say global communism is really what they're after. But when it comes to to Donald Trump, what you guys were saying beforehand, love him or hate him. And again, he's not a perfect individual. I don't think any individual deserves to be worshipped. Everyone deserves to be treated equally and held responsible for their actions. But I, I, I do believe it is fair to assess that after they're done with him and if they do take him down, that they're going to be going after everyone else. Yeah, and, they're trying uh, to, I mean, the he, is, he is standing in the way and give give a props to man when, when, when he deserves it he's faced a lot of onslaughts of very unfair attacks that have been absolutely filled with freaking lies and therefore he deserves credit i totally agree and i think that what they're attempting to do is create like we already described this as a uniparty right but we say it kind of in jest like there is a little bit of an opposition when you talk about a handful of the members of the freedom caucus in the gop I think what they're attempting to do is create truly monolithic rule. They want to have everybody that runs as a Republican is a Lindsey Graham or a Nikki Haley. And everybody on the Democrat side is obviously an enemy of the American people. So it's like once you have no options, I don't think that Trump's a good option either. In fact, I won't support him because of what happened in 2020. But regardless, I still want there to be two options, at least. I mean, they're trying to take it down to one. And once there's one, there's no escape. And I, that's my greatest fear is that, like, if Trump goes down, if they're able to either take him off the ballot or reinforce the election or whatever, uh, 
I mean, it gets really dark really quickly. Yeah. Trump Trump just gave us a, a short list of individuals that he's considering to be his a running mate. He included individuals like Ron DeSantis, like Ramaswamy, Noam, Donald, Gabbard, and Scott. And um, it, it's interesting to see these levels of individuals that he's considering for VP, as, of course, this kind of highlights where his mind is at. This was after a Fox News interview with Laura Ingram. And I was kind of wondering, I think maybe we could go around the room before we leave for greener territories and uh, go to Rumble where we have more free speech. Who do you guys, uh, out of the short list of Donald Trump's picks, would you like to see as his running mate and vice president? Vivek. I don't believe the short list at all. Uh, Old Rose Swig on Twitter, Swig, uh, he says it's not going to be any of these people, and I think that that's probably true. I don't yeah. believe the short if I had but, to pick- but, Don, but Donald Trump was asked specifically by Laura Ingram, hey, these are the individuals. Are they on your short list? He said yes. He did say that, that he, they're on his short list. He didn't say those are the only people on his short list. So I don't think it'll be any of them. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Byron Donalds. I think he's a strong representative. I like him. Out of all of them, including Gabbard and, and Ramaswamy? And- I'm not a fan of Gabbard for various reasons. She was anti-gun for a little while. There's other red flags in her past. She's also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, but but I think she still represents a kind of big fu to the system in, in a way where she could bridge the gap between a lot of the leftists. And let's just say Mike Obama comes out of nowhere. What better way to counter Mike with uh, than than with Tulsi? Let's say that Tulsi was actually upstanding and, and was for everything good. She's still a woman. I don't want any woman near the executive <laughs> office. That's not a joke. That's not a dig at women. Men need to be in authority. So. To her and uh, Vivek, I hate to say, but, it, but, but how do you really feel, Andrew? <laughs> uh, I want her to make me a sandwich. That's how I oh really feel. Um, <laughs> no, Vivek Ramaswamy, I know people that work on his campaign. I know that he would staff the administration impeccably. Trump calls him Mr. Perfect. Like he would do things perfectly, but I don't want him to be the president. I don't want there to be uh, someone that doesn't believe in God as the president. And I think he'd do such a good job as VP that he would be the next president. So I don't want Vivek either. So I like Byron Donalds. He's solid, but I would bet that it's somebody not on that list. I don't know who Devin Nunes or somebody super competent that has political experience. I think that's who Trump is going to pick. Someone we're not expecting. Can you explain to me why, how, if you just said that Vivek would do such a good job that he would be the next president, but because he doesn't believe in God, that, that, that cancels out all of the good job. Yes. For me, even Uh though he would do an excellent job staffing the administration, I don't want him to be the ultimate man in power. I just don't want that. I want someone that believes in God to be the president. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you think that Donald Trump really believes in God? Donald Trump 100% believes in God. I don't think that he's on his knees praying every single night. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. (laughs) If I had to to guess, I'd say that he's probably not. But I know that he believes in God. I think think after going so much prosecution, there has to be some kind of greater religious belief to continue his kind of path. Because how else can you not? Because, I mean, otherwise... Like it just it just doesn't add up for me to to face so much backlash to face so much problems and then still keep going. That's how a lot and of there's people, a cre- and there's credit for that. That's how a lot of people find God too. That's how I started. Real, there must be God. I was agnostic when I was like twenty, and I started seeing all of the evil in the world, and I realized, okay, all this evil, the devil's real. There's evil in the world. God is real, and that that's how a lot of people find God. And I just I need someone that has that connection to God to be the president. Even you know Vivek can do a great job. He can do a lot of things. I personally want him for Secretary of State. You know I think he he'd be really good. But 
I just want somebody that believes in God for prayer. Andrew, I feel like you make a, such a great point because it really brings us to like, why are we here? What is this all about? Like, we want someone running that actually does have faith in something greater. I think that this is a great uh, point that you bring up. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Clint, who do you want to see out of that short list as VP? I'll go with the godless Vivek. Um, <laughs> I, 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 look, I, I think that... Like, the cookie the, mark guy. The circumstances are so dire, um, and Vivek is, in my opinion, the most capable new addition to the GOP, if not the most capable GOP member since Ron Paul, in terms of rhetoric, ability to deliver, uh, just capacity in a corporate level, of hiring, firing, understanding his grasp of DEI, ESG, uh, his understanding of what transpired during 2020 when it comes to the FD, FBI, CDC, FDA. Uh, he would. He's just such an enormous asset. I think it would be a catastrophic mistake to to overlook him. And let me also add, you know, what I'm most concerned with is not so much a belief in God as I am a, a concern with the belief in the Constitution. And I think that you know many of the founders of America were in fact ag agnostic themselves or or deists. Uh, so. You know, that that to me is priority one. Can we actually maintain the Bill of Rights and not maintain it, but can we actually reclaim it? I think someone like Vivek has the potential. Whether or not he'll deliver, I have no idea. My greatest concern with Trump would be that I still don't think that he understands the way the public health establishment took him out. And so I think Vivek does get that in a way where if he was, you know, if, if, if he had Trump's ear, that would protect him and steer him in the right direction a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. So would RFK Jr. So would Tucker Carlson. So would Tulsi in a way. Oh, for sure. Um, RFK, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think he definitely needs someone. I, I gave my explanation on today's YouTube video, but Steph, who do you want to see out of that short list as a VP? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know what? When I, when I looked at this list, I really, what came to my eyes was DeSantis. I thought that that was pretty interesting. Not because of who DeSantis is or anything like that. Just the fact that that he would actually pick someone that was running against him. Well, yeah, that's how politics usually uh, kind of uh, runs. But you got to pick one, Steph. Who do you want to see as Trump's VP? Scott, DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Noam, Donalds, or Gabbard? Mm. And put the camera on you. I, I, I don't know. Pick one. She's you going pick none one. of the above. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we tried. We got another super chat from Logan Culver, who says, Vivek believes in God. I would bet he has a better understanding of the ideals of our country is founded on than the last four presidents combined. That's from Logan Culver. Uh, thank Just you listen for to him talk. Chat. It's obviously the case. He also went to Catholic school. Uh, he's, he's able to explain uh, biblical scripture better than Donald Trump could ever do it. So... Yeah. Uh, when you say Vivek believes in God, though, he's Hindu. So the, when he says God, he's talking about Brahma or Vishnu or Ganesha. There's no elephant God. There's no eight-armed God. That, that stuff's not real. So I don't know that he believes in God when he believes in, you know, elephant man, you know? Sorry. Right, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about elephant man plus a lot more all on Rumble, where, of course, the conversation will be continuing from there. I gave my answer to who I want to see on a short list and on my own list on uh, YouTube.com forward slash We Are Change. Check out that video right now as, of course, we now move on to Rumble.com. You could just go to Rumble.com. You don't even have to find us. Atlas here is looking for the channel as well. Rumble.com is... <laughs> 
is the website. Just go there, scroll down, and we are here in the category of picks. We're next to Megan Kelly. We're next to Dr. Drew. We're next to Sneeko. And you can find us there right now just by going to rumble.com. As, of course, we're going to be leaving Twitter. We're going to be leaving Facebook. We're going to be leaving Kick. We're going to be leaving YouTube and continuing the conversation there in a more free way. As, of course, there's a lot of controversial issues to talk about when it comes to Google's AI that uh, discriminated against a lot of white people. What's really going on there? We'll talk about that, plus a lot of other health-related stuff with Chris. I'm dying to ask him a bunch of questions, uh, specifically about becoming the best, strongest version of yourself. So that conversation and a lot more all now on Rumble. Andrew, before we go, where can people find and support you? You want to support me, support the Alex Jones video game, alexjonesgame.com. We're also on Steam. The game is super fun. I'm not going to say what you can do because that's not uh, advertiser-friendly, no, YouTube-friendly. But, you know, there's a lot of fun characters in the video game. They might resemble people in politics that you don't like. So go to alexjonesgame.com. <laughs> and if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash theandrewmeyer. Chris, where can people find you? I'm Chris Masterjohn. I'm at chrismasterjohnphd.substack.com. Come join my newsletter and get optimized with me. At Liberty Lockpot on X, uh, since I just got another strike, I would really appreciate it if you would support my work so I could continue to feed my 15 kids from my soggy shoe factory. Uh, at Liberty Lockpot on X, subscribe and libertylockdown.locals.com. Liberty Lockdown's the show. I will also be on Tower Gang at 9.15 tonight. Do not watch that. You can find me on x at steph wrc or on instagram at steph we are change we will be explaining the shoe analogy all on Finally. rumble because it is not a family-friendly explanation go there right now rumble.com and we will of course will be continuing the conversation there as i expect andrew to laugh his <laughs> ass off when it comes to this larger explanation but before that i want to go into the first video that i wanted to discuss and that's charles barkley a man who of course is known for speaking his mind sometimes you like what he says sometimes you don't but during the nba all-star game he had this to say about san francisco Another liberal bastion that is full of crap. The minus, uh, hey, you know, hey, the hey. 17 degrees. Hey, 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 Reggie. Yes. If you had a, if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, oh, when you, oh, oh that's crazy. Oh, no. You're not welcome. Oh, hey, no, no, no. You're not welcome. No, we don't. Yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Going at Draymond Green, talking about how he needs a bulletproof vest just to walk around in San Francisco. As, of course, we keep getting video after video of just brazen crime, criminality that is being normalized more than ever. These are scenes that, again, are just common, everyday scenes that the people of California, the people of, of places like Las Vegas, Nevada, have to deal with every single day. So this is happening right people now. People just saying, you know what? I'm just going to take your ish. And with behavior like that, how can we not argue that what is kind of happening here is just a deliberate destruction, a deliberate just... 
ugliness of modern day society, and you see it everywhere. You, you see it in pop culture. You see it in music. You see it in art. You see it with the modeling industry. Almost every form of beauty, every form of peace, every form of sanctity, anything that we previously held before and had that was that was appreciated by the general public is just absolutely being shat on deliberately by powerful forces, central controllers that I think are trying to run a larger dehumanist agenda, trying to demoralize us. And what better way to do it than with what they're doing now? Because if they were doing anything else differently, uh, I, I, I don't see any change in their course, any change in their plans than what they're doing right now. What each, do you guys each security system needs to have a, an Arab stick man that comes with for getting those people. <laughs> <laughs> Steph wants to bring up uh, capital punishment. Uh, the the um, the stick man that you talked about was a man who, of course, uh, did he was, get in big trouble at the was, end? Uh, was uh, so Steph wants the Old Testament God? Apparently, you guys, I'm talking about the guy that that protected his store in New York. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. No, and if he faced charges too, right? He was about to, and then luckily there was enough of a public outcry. But uh, what, what, what's happening in a lot of these major cities, I, I think really does have to be considered as a, a war on our kind of morality, a war on anything that's kind of beautiful, that the system that the state kind of wants to take away. What else is there? What, what else haven't they destroyed in these major cities that's there that's, that's keeping people still there? Yeah, there's a great... Are we on Rumble yet? Yes, we're on Rumble. Okay, say whatever say, you want. Uh, great. There's a great movie called uh, Cloud Atlas, and part of it shows the dystopian type of future they want us to have, where like these uh, Asian workers, literally, uh, they get a out of line. They can be liquidated, just liquidated, killed, liquidated, and they don't want us to have rights. So for us not to have rights, they first have to destroy the middle class altogether. So, okay... No jobs for white men, no uh, stable places to live. There's going to be crime rampant. You know, all of the conditions they're setting about is to absolutely obliterate the middle class so then they can take people's rights. Because once people have no leg left to stand on, they're too busy fending for their family, trying to get food somewhere because the, the money's gone insane. Everything's inflated. Trying to buy your groceries costs $1,000 a week or something insane. They're trying to make it so that people don't have any time to try and fight back against the government. They're too busy trying to stay alive. There's no middle class. It's the road to serfdom. You're a libertarian. You should know all about that. I do. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what they want. F.A. Hayek. Look, I, I agree. And uh, just to back up what he's saying so you don't think it's just some uh, you know crazy uh, fear-mongering, there was a survey that was done a couple of days ago. I think it was either six or seven out of ten HR managers uh, were saying that they had been instructed from top down to stop hiring white men. Flat out, stop hiring white men. Uh, the DEI framework is ultimately a reverse Jim Crow. Uh, it's just as immoral. It's just as insane. And I think that if you're if you're at all concerned about race relations in this country, you need to stand up and voice opposition to it now. The whole reason that you saw a Black Panther movement in this country was a response to the civil rights era and obviously to slavery in America, a bunch of injustices that legitimately happened. Well, there are legitimate injustices that are happening on a quote-unquote voluntary basis from corporate America, all predicated off of their relationship to the federal government and the D DEI uh, protocols that Barack Obama put in place in 2011. This is once again a government-sponsored, divisive, racist, 
uh, protocol and legal framework that is absolutely, uh, you know, backbreaking to the the unity that I think that we once had in this country, or at least closer to it. Uh, it is dividing us, and it is ultimately an attempt at conquering us. So I hope people are paying attention. It's just insane that they could get away with this. That they could take so much massive shits on everything, and then people are saying, "I'll vote for more shit. I'll vote for more of this. <laughs> yeah. Give me more shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us, give us all the all the crap." And- That's- that's the rule of cool in effect, though. You know, when when all their favorite artists. I got to be still- on- honest with you, man. Saying rule of cool, not very cool. I love it. <laughs> I don't. Ca- I don't care if it is or not. I want to educate the people and the I smart people cool. listening to this show. That's true. So, you know, when Jay Z or Rihanna, whatever, all their favorite artists are still telling them vote Democrat. They're still voting Democrat. They don't know anything. Yep. They have to be educated through culture. So, you know, you guys ever see the film uh, "Thank You for Smoking"? Yeah, yeah, great, movie. great, great film. Do you yeah. know who produced that film? No, Elon Hitler. Musk. Did he really? And Elon Musk. They were recently. There's a story saying he was considering trying to buy Disney. And there's another like uh, guy out there right now, Nelson Peltz, who's looking at trying to take control of the board of Disney because he's looking at what they're doing. Just okay, this woke crap is not selling. You're losing money. Right. And he's doing it from a strictly business perspective. You know, Elon, whether you want to buy Disney or not, you need to be in the business of making cool films with right-wing values. So uh, Elon, you know, Amanda Milius, John Dutois, Scooter Downey, talk to me. There's a lot of people that want to make right-wing culture and make the right cool. That's the way we're going to get control of Gen Z. Yeah, I don't I don't think throwing, uh, you know, a quarter million dollars at Mr. Beast is actually how you win, even though he's obviously got he's the rule of cool indeed. But uh, I think that it would be nice if he were to start to monetize in a, in a way that was successful enough that people in my lane could, instead of having to migrate over to Rumble, we could uh, sign deals with X and put out our content there exclusively as well. I would like to have as many competitors as possible that are, are financially bolstering kind of this alternative media because it's so hard to get ahead. It'd be yeah. nice to have more than one. I mean, the yeah. big, the big money people, Peter Thiel, who's also a producer of Thank You for Smoking. These guys got to throw their money not just behind J.D. Vance and Blake Masters, but behind John Dutois, Scooter Downey, Amanda Milius, the people that are going to make cool right wing movies. Yeah, just even in the alternative media, it's it's absolutely critically important. There, there, there were so many independent journalists that came and went because of all the censorship by big tech. There's so many people that had good influences, had good careers. Were were, were prospects of being the next kind of big individuals that had their careers absolutely ruined because Google said, you know what, fuck you. We're just going to take away your money. We're going to destroy your livelihood. We're going to make sure people are slowly and surely unsubscribed from your channel, just like they're doing to our channel. And the left, the left literally had so much money that they're raising money for criminals. They're raising money for Black Lives Matter organizers that literally burnt down entire freaking complexes. And they don't, they don't, they don't feel, uh, you know, any kind of issue asking for money as of course we have this article here by the Daily Mail describing how the mass shooter in the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade literally has a GoFundMe for him that was set up by his mother. This is the guy accused of murder that's literally raising money for his GoFundMe for his health and legal bills. In fairness, I think he was a mostly peaceful protester. Yes. Mostly peaceful murder. But I mean, this is so crazy because like GoFundMe's will be taken down when they were raising them for the the Freedom Convoy, a bunch of like basically anyone that's not a, a progressive or a minority, they they will just rip your fucking GoFundMe away. 
But this dude's like he's accused of fucking murder. Not just murder, but like shooting into a crowd totally recklessly, just absolutely insane. And it's st- still up. It's nuts. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, the, the media kind of buried the story when they found out who was responsible for this. And of course, this was front page news everywhere. And uh, let's just be let's just be honest here. If the Democrats, uh, if, if the demographics were a little bit different here, this, the story would read a lot different, would stick a lot different. And, and, and here's uh, the other really important factor that people probably aren't aware of because this story has been buried. Turns out it's uh, two black dudes. Uh, they're both adults. They're not kids. And they had illegally owned firearms so had it been a straight white man with an ar-15 that he bought at the local gun store you better fucking believe this would be wall-to-wall coverage for the next month but because of what it ended up being now it's buried and we don't ever talk about it again the latest detail that i heard on this is there's a third shooter and because they're not releasing the details about the first two shooters they're making it harder for people to come forward and identify who the third shooter is so you got a mass murderer on the loose and no, no, we don't want to catch him because we don't want to say that, you know, the shooters were black or whatever they were, not white males. Yeah. It's it's insane. And Tim Young, a bunch of people have put this out. The media saying, oh, they're underage. We don't want to say who they are. There was a Chiefs fan who was nine years old and he had his face painted red and black. But they took a picture and showed only the black side of his face and said he's a nine-year-old racist in blackface. So you could show a nine-year-old's picture and, well, and, and, and identify him. And he was a him. native. His fucking parents were Native American, so it was totally insane. You can name Kyle Rittenhouse, you can name a nine-year-old Chiefs fan, but you Nicholas can't name Salmon. A, you, Nicholas Salmon, but you can't name a murderer. Yep. The you know the media is just insane, and they keep uh, you know and any any anything that they have to run with, they will run with it as much as they can, as long as the demographics fix fit their certain narrative that they're trying to push on everyone. And of course, this is also perfectly highlighted by uh, the latest Google artificial intelligence that's called Gemini that recently refused to show pictures of any kind of achievement of white people. Yes, you heard that correctly, as the Babylon Bee decided to make fun of this story, (laughs) highlighting how the black family is finally included as Google AI generates black Nazi soldiers. And and, and again, we we laugh about this, but this is exactly what frickin' happened here, as there was depictions by artificial intelligence of black Nazis because Google AI refused to highlight any kind of white people. You asked Google Gemini if they can make images of the American revolutionary soldiers and they portrayed blacks, Asians, and Native Americans and uh, no white people at all. As of course, Google today is officially apologizing for their program. Uh, Is this something that was an accident or is this just uh, the AI kind of looking into the future being like, yeah, we're just going to replace everything here and make it very DEI friendly. Yeah, no, it's not an accident. And by the way, Google, while you're handing out apologies, I'd appreciate one for saying that my episode from 48 hours ago was misinformation and striking me, you pieces of fucking garbage. Uh, But no, it's not an accident. This is obviously intentional. And I think, you know, if you want to get really sinister with it, to me, it comes across as if they're trying to basically expunge white history. 
Um, which for the record, I've never actually concerned myself with white history because I always just looked at history as being uh, not a color oriented thing. But since you're now going to expunge anybody that ever looked like me in history as if we've never fucking done anything worth talking about, that's pretty offensive, if I'm being honest. Well, Netflix already uh, does this in, in so many instances, of course, making a lot of prominent historical characters, uh, you know, black or, or Native American or, or women or turned, gay lesbian women. Alexander the Great and Dohoma. What the fuck? I'm, I'm beyond that. I want the fictional characters to stay the same, okay? The Little Mermaid is not black. Sorry. I love I love black people. Little Mermaid's not black, all right? You wouldn't like it if we took T'Challa, the Black Panther, and made him Ryan Gosling and oh, made him white. Oh, we're doing it. No, Let's fucking no, go. I want Daily Wire. Daily Wire. <laughs> look me in my eyes. I want you to make a Black Panther starring, starring Ryan Gosling immediately. <laughs> Be awesome. You know, if it went both ways, that'd be cool, but it's only ever one way. And it's like the funniest thing is they find every like redheaded character ever. Like that's how they're doing the replacement. It like Mary Jane and Spider-Man, redhead. Oh, let's make her black. Yep. Every single redhead becomes black in fiction these they days. They made Spider-Man black too. It's like, look, I, I understand you want to have inclusivity and apparently minorities are only able to look up to minorities. Okay, fine. If you want to do that, but can't you create new characters? Do you have to just like transmogrify every character from my childhood into some other race. It's just bizarre. Just fucking write something new. You have no capacity for creativity. It's embarrassing. You guys are all a fucking liberal arts degree, folks. You can't come up with a new goddamn plot. It has to be fucking Spider-Man, but he has to be from Brooklyn and black now. Like, this is so... It's just weak. It's yeah. weak. And like, James, no, there's James no Bond, they, they couldn't make a, a different number. Right. Yeah, 008. <laughs> Jesus the Christ, I just wrote it for you. 008, he ought to have a bigger number. His dick's bigger. Let's fucking go. <laughs> How do you know about that, Clint? Like, what, what are you what are you, what, what, what are you doing on your own personal time? Yeah, what was that, that we... shoe thing, by the way? What's uh, the, the shoe uh, thing we'll explain in just a little bit. We'll keep people on edge here, um, gripping their shoelaces here to uh, discuss this very interesting topic that Clint is so romantically involved in. Huh? But uh, we'll explain <laughs> it in, 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 in a little bit. But it... Uh, but 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 to, to continue on the, this particular conversation, it is it is kind of just bewildering because it, it does seem like they're doing everything in their power to destroy race relations, to make people not like each other, to make people hate each other, to make people kind of question like, okay, well, what's the real agenda here? And to me, it's a divide and conquer one. They want people fighting each other. We saw this after Occupy Wall Street because after Occupy Wall Street, they kind of understood people on the left and right could stand together, and when they do, they are a legitimate threat against the system. So. So let's start obsessively talking about race. Let's talk about white privilege. And again, a lot of it is based on fucking bullshit. A lot of the things that people are told is fucking bullshit. If you look at white Americans, especially when it comes to economic uh, income, uh, they're, I believe, in the seventh tier. Uh, below people predominantly from Asia, people from Pakistan, people from India, people from Japan, people from Korea, Filipinos, uh, Pakistanis, all of them make more money than, of course, White Americans, but somehow white Americans are, are kind of pinpointed as having this grand privilege here. And these kind of cringeworthy conversations are just absolutely reductive. And they take away from larger cohesions and us understanding that the true source of power that is really fucking us over should be addressed, but never will. Because we're discussing a lot of this fucking nonsense that, again, is all made up. It's all gaslighting. And one of the ways that they do this is also with uh, police shootings. As, of course, we recently had a black Harvard professor came out and uh, released some very interesting statistics when it came to 
police shootings and black Americans, as he reported that he, quote, didn't find any racial bias in police shootings himself. I collected a lot of data. We collected millions of observations on uh, everyday use of force that wasn't lethal. We collected thousands of observations on lethal force. And, and it, it was in this moment, 2016, that I realized people lose their minds when they don't like the result. So what my paper showed, you'll see tomorrow, uh, like some of you, uh, was that, yes, we saw some bias in the low-level uses of force every day pushing up against cars and things like that. People tend to like that result. But we didn't find any um, uh, racial bias in police shootings. Now, that was really surprising to me because I expected to see it. The little-known fact is I had eight full-time RAs that it took to do this over nearly a year. When I found this surprising result, I hired eight fresh ones and redid it to make sure. They came up with the same exact answer, and I thought it was robust. And then I went to go give it, and my God, all hell broke loose. It was a 104-page, dense, academic, economics paper with a 150-page appendix, okay? It was posted for four minutes when I got my first email. This is full of shit. I'm surprised that this study was even allowed to be published, as, of course, I'm surprised there wasn't any larger censorship efforts that, of course, absolutely destroyed it from the general public. And right on for this guy for highlighting it, for, for doing it, actually doing his due diligence and not just believing the lies that the corporate media tells us every single fucking day. As, of course, a lot of this stuff is just nauseating. It's, it's exhausting. And it's, and it's stupid because they expect people to walk on eggshells and to be afraid to talk about these issues in a real open and honest way. Shouts out to this guy for actually having that conversation, which I think more people need to have more than ever. Before Joe Biden became unquestionably the worst president, oh, Will, Woodrow Wilson still has a pretty good case. FDR is pretty bad, too. That's also true. Uh, I was like giving it to a tie between George W. Bush and Barack Obama. George W. Bush got us into all those wars in the Middle East. He did 9-11. You know, George W. Bush, incredibly evil. But uh, people don't realize Barack Obama reinstated or re reignited a civil war in America. He created a race war. He highlighted all these racial divisions. We had 90s vibes for so long. It was all buddy cop movie. One black cop, one white cop. Lethal weapon, Beverly Hills cop. Black and white people getting along. It's not like we were all kumbaya, but people were mostly cool. Barack Obama made racial hatred predominant predominant in America where it didn't used to be. So I used to say I would like give him the edge over George W. Bush. Even George W. Bush, who did 9-11, I would say Brock was a worse president because of the racial hatred he injected into this country. Yeah. It wasn't there like 15 years ago. I, I would say Trump definitely tried to, uh, I'm sorry, I, I would say Bush definitely tried to kill, um, you know, definitely killed more people. Yeah. Barack Obama definitely tried to kill a lot of people, but wasn't as successful. But I would, I would disagree. I would say the larger damages to our society uh, were definitely done by Bush, mainly because of all the security protocols that he pushed through, Patriot through Act. the Patriot Act, Surveillance yeah, Act, yeah. NSA powers, and, and DOD, all, all the stuff that he did. 
now is directly affecting a lot of the anti-establishment people and all the laws that were supposed to be fighting the jihadis are really now fighting the Americans. So I would say he made more of a deeper impact, more negative impact than uh, Obama, even though culturally Obama did kind of uh, attack us and destroy a lot of the race relations that we used to have that, that we're, we're, we're fine, we're, weren't great. You know, let's just be honest here. We're, weren't the best. But uh, compared to what they are now, definitely a big significant difference as you can't even make jokes, you can't even laugh, you can't even try to bring any kind of harmony to the situation by being able to kind of just uh, laugh and, and be humored by it. You can't even do that anymore, which is crazy. If you say Bush is the worst ever, I can't disagree. That's a great, great argument. Well, I'll, so, I'll, I'll just say that, uh, you know, obviously it was Obama that built off of the war on terror. So I kind of I kind of add some of those casualty figures to him. But I think that the, the point that it's really important we emphasize, it's not that racial division became worse because we had a black guy as the president. It's because he put diversity, equity and inclusion into every federal department across the entire United States government. That happened in 2011. Fucking 13 years later, you see what it has wrought. It is not okay. And from my vantage point, it's not because he's a black man. It's because he came from academia and he and he was indoctrinated into kind of a Marxist worldview where it was critical theory and we had to divide based off of privilege and all this other fucking garbage. And that is the real mind virus. 100%. I think the worst thing that's happening in New York right now behind the scenes is that there was this bill to create quarantine camps for anyone. So this bill was around since 2015 and um, the sponsor on Christmas uh, two years ago, I think said um, because it got national attention, he said, there's so many conspiracy theories concocted around this. I want you to feel safe to go out and get vaccinated. So I'm withdrawing this bill two weeks later, Hochul before she had ever been elected, um, tried to slip into executive order and then they've been going back and forth in the courts about it. So the language of this bill, I feel, is borrowed directly from the language of the Patriot Act. So the, pa the Patriot Act, way back as a predecessor, had taken away the rights to due process for suspected terrorists. New York is now trying to take away the rights to due process of suspected cases of infectious disease. And so the, the most frightening thing about the wording of this is um, it says anyone who in the opinion of the governor or the governor's delegee um, is a an infectious disease is shown to be or is suspected of being a possible carrier of an infectious disease can be detained for as long of a period of time in any place that the governor or the delegee sees fit for as long as they see fit. And that is a, this the suspected infectious disease sort is the worst part because you don't need a test to show that you are suspected, just like you don't need a test to show that you are a suspected terrorist. And so I, I feel like this was a direct borrowing of, um, of this loophole in due process that was initiated in the Bush era. Well, it, let's also add to it that Joe Biden 
reoriented the FBI to go after domestic or homegrown terrorism or domestic violent extremist DVEs is what they call them. First day of his presidency, that's what he put into fucking place. That's the exact same concept. They want to be able to black bag people that believe in the fucking Constitution. That's real shit. That's honestly how the FBI looks at the American people. They think that if you look up to, if you like the Betsy Ross flag or the founding fathers, that you are a danger to the establishment. And in, in some ways, they're not exactly wrong. But the only reason that it's right is because we actually believe in the Constitution and they do everything to fucking undermine it. Yeah, Dr. Fauci also worked with um, George W. Bush and under the Patriot Act, there was a specific provision that essentially allowed him to do gain-of-function, weaponized bioweapons uh, research uh, without any kind of penalty or uh, criticism. So I, I would say Bush, again, a lot of the really horrible stuff went directly through him. Uh, I want to finish off some of the comments that this uh, Harvard professor had to say because I found them uh, very interesting. Doesn't make any sense. And I wrote back, how'd you read it that fast? That's amazing. You are a genius. And I had colleagues take me into to the side and say, don't publish this. You'll ruin your career. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? I said, what's wrong with it? Do you believe the first part? Yes. Do you believe the second part? Well, it's the issue is they just don't fit together. We like the first one, but you should publish the, note, the second one another time. I said, let me ask this. If the second part about the police shootings, this is a literal conversation. I said to them, if the second part um, showed bias, do you think I would, should publish it then? And they said, yeah, then it would make sense. And I said, I guarantee you I'll publish it. We'll see what happens. Shouts out to this guy. Uh, absolute balls, absolute courage, and uh, just someone who gave a damn about the truth, which uh, is, is very rare in our society, where sadly everything is being politicized, everything is being weaponized, and all people care about is freaking political power and no truth at all. And uh, we really do need more people uh, like him who are daring and willing to do the hard work, the research, the studies that no one else is willing to do. As, of course, there's a lot of bullshit sold to us. That bullshit is usually so to us through a lot of powerful interests that prey off of your freaking ignorance. And James Lindsay and these other acad academics have already proven this to be the case. And I think what was interesting about this guy is that he's a black professor for those that are listening and, and can't see it. But he's he's talking about academia. He's talking about you know academic papers. And he's saying that this even went against his own bias. Like he expected the results to be different. But when he realized that he was wrong, he decided that he was still going to tell the truth of what he had found. And what he had found is that there was not bias when it came to police shootings. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't cases of racist cops that that violate the rights of black people or maybe even shoot them and kill them. I'm sure it does happen from time to time. The, the argument, though, that has been made is that this is systemic. And that his case is that that's not the case. But then when you look back to the George Floyd moment, which, by the way, if you actually look deep into that, the conclusion as to whether or not he was actually murdered as opposed to dying from fentanyl is very much in doubt. But then you realize that our fucking cities burn because of this, because people have been told a lie, because the truth is suppressed, because academia or academics don't feel safe in telling the truth about things, even when they realize that their own biases are wrong. That's a very dangerous place to be in. And we have been in it for quite some time.
Okay, I want to I want to go to left field for a second. Are you guys ready? Uh, well, we got to make a we got to do a couple things. We actually do have uh, one uh, advertisement, uh, which we do I think once a week, and I definitely want to make sure we we get that through. As of course, we're also going to be going to callers soon for members of LukeUnfiltered.com. Yeah. But shouts out to, to Rumble. We want to definitely support Rumble. Rumble gave us a sponsor, and it's them. It's their coffee company called Seventeen Seventy Five. You should definitely go check them out. The link to their website. Will will be put in the chat room right now by our producer as of course i don't like shitty coffee and if you don't like shitty coffee you should check out 1775 coffee co i uh, r- really don't like again shitty coffee this is why i'm excited to introduce to you guys a coffee company that is allegedly revolting against shitty coffee 1775 coffee co in 1775 the world awakened to a new era and now 1775 Coffee Co. is bringing you a coffee that embodies that revolutionary spirit. Crafted with passion and precision, our beans are ethically and exclusively sourced from the finest coffee farms in Bolivia. 1775 Coffee Co. Farm to Cup Journey ensures the highest quality, authenticity, and sustainability from start to finish with each sip. Your palate will recognize, appreciate the dedication and passion that goes into crafting this single-sourced brew. 1775 Coffee Company takes pride in offering customers a truly exceptional coffee experience with their premium coffee collection. But their dedication to this revolution extends beyond the realm of taste. Safeguarding freedom of speech is critical right now, which is why 1775 Coffee Company has joined forces with Rumble in defense of one of our most fundamental rights, which is freedom of speech. Coffee that's sure to awaken all senses, including the sense of freedom, mother effer. Choose 1775 Coffee to uh, by going to 1775coffee.com slash Luke and use code L-U-K-E Luke for 10% off at checkout on your first order. 1775 Coffee, brewed to perfection, crafted with revolution. And as they say on their website, every purchase supports Rumble creators and free speech. And uh, seriously, there's not a company that I would say is doing more for free speech uh, than a Rumble. Uh, maybe you could say Twitter... But uh, they're really standing up for a lot of their creators. They're fighting a lot of different governments that are telling people, hey, ban these people, get rid of their livelihoods, take away their money. And Rumble is responding no. And then countries like France are literally banning Rumble from even existing in wow. their country. So there's there's a lot of craziness happening. They sent me some of this coffee, 1775 coffee. Go check them out. As of course, we don't work with a lot of sponsors. We work with only a few people that we trust, that we like. Rumble is, of course, one of those specific um, uh, specific companies. So we're going to go to callers right now of members of LukeUnfiltered.com. Josh, if you can, also put that in the chat room as well as we are trying to get a hold of Michael right now uh, and then we'll go to of course Andrew and his larger deviation um, after that as well now we are exchanging encryption keys and messing up my camera here uh, and it looks like we do have uh, Michael here on the line Michael how are you thanks for calling in I like the headgear uh, thank you so much for being a member what is your question hey thanks so much uh, I want to ask you guys about the value of Bitcoin over the next year or two, because on one hand, it's an election year, so you kind of expect the money printers to keep going. But on the other hand, it's going to be a year like maybe not other years in the past. For example, uh, the Obamas being involved in Leave the World Behind, uh, Catherine Herridge, that ominous black swan thing, even the projections there might not be an election, you know, like um, what was his name, Colonel, whatever. Anyway, Colonel McGregor and then Roseanne Barr. And I I actually said that before any of those people, by the way, too. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's like you've got Agenda 2030 and the kind of fire sale that is our country right now. I look at the global monetary system and it just is kind of undergoing a controlled demolition. So on one hand, you know, do you want to wait to buy, say, Bitcoin? You know, I don't know what that would do to the market. But on the other hand, you've got like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, who are buying up all the supply of free Bitcoin right now, like within the next couple of weeks. So with supply and demand, plus it's having soon, I just kind of wanted to know if, if someone was going to make a big purchase of Bitcoin, uh, how do you read all these factors? Michael, great question. Thank you so much for uh, being a member. Thank you so much for calling. And we're going to keep you on the line uh, as we answer your question as best as we can here. As of course, I wish I had a crystal ball. I wish I could understand cryptocurrencies and their prices. There's a lot of volatility there. I saw someone on Twitter being like, Twitter's about to drop 50%. And I'm like, uh, okay, I hear this stuff a lot. And it's important to understand here. I don't think anyone really kind of understands what, what what's really going on here. I think a lot of the experts have been wrong. A lot of the people who say that they know exactly what's going to happen uh, have been wrong a lot. And uh, I, I think just from a basic understanding of these kind of election cycles, usually you see the regimes in power try to prop up the economy during an election year. And then after the election, you do see the economy go down. So as far as like cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, my advice always, even when it was worth a couple dollars, was like, hey, this is a new technology. You never invest what you're not willing to lose because it is a very vital market and who knows it could be the new global currency it, it, it could be the currency that regulators destroy uh but um I, I i always say only invest what you're willing to lose always make smart decisions and understand uh, the cycles of the election that are going to have an impact here because it does seem like they're trying to crash the economy and i think there's also a reason individuals like boris johnson are asking to be paid a million dollars in bitcoin and gold to do interviews with tucker carlson so uh, take those two cents as you may, but I think they're also important hallmarkers. Also, Bitcoin is almost at an all-time high now. It's not usually good to buy at an all-time high. That's just usually what 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 people kind of um, have to say about that specific asset. What do you guys think? I think people make the mistake of trying to buy Bitcoin as a short-term investment, and then you know Bitcoin goes all the way up, it crashes all the way down, but eventually. It goes all the way up again. So if you're looking at it as a five-year or a 10-year investment and you can lock that money away, great. Or if you buy some and it happens to go to the moon and you want to sell while it's high, great. But if you buy and then it craters and you're, oh, I'm shocked. That's what Bitcoin does. It craters at some point. So you know, if you're going to buy some that like as a speculation, take it as a hedge, man. Say, all right, I'm going to buy some and I'm going to lock it away until it either goes to the moon or it goes to a place where I want to sell it. But look at it as a long-term investment, not a short-term investment. Clay, so, you're uh, usually the financial advisor, yeah. but sorry, Chris, you were saying something I cut you uh, off. Yeah, Go right I, ahead. I'd say a couple things about that. So first of all, one of the things that you saw in the uh, short-term wake of the regional banking crisis that was developing last year was that for the first time in a long time, Bitcoin was going up while the stock market was going down. And so what I think that shows is that even though Bitcoin has generally done what the stock market does, there, that, is, that several months is a good piece of evidence that under crisis times where faith is being lost in the United States slash global financial system, Bitcoin can act as an independent asset that, you know, even in risk off times, 
I think right now with the ETFs, it's very likely to get very correlated with the stock market. In fact, you can see that today where everyone was worried about what NVIDIA earnings were going to be at 5 p.m. And then when they came out good, Bitcoin popped up. Um, so I think that's going to you know, get very correlated over time. But I think if you're worried about serious risk in the world, I think Bitcoin is starting to kind of prove itself as a possible safe haven in those conditions. Yeah, it, it will only become a safe haven when people perceive its risk uh to be less than United States treasuries. And when that happens, it's basically the end of the US dollar and the end of really the US empire's uh, hegemonic dominance. So I am a huge fan of Bitcoin. Uh, I bought a long time ago, I bought at 35 range in the last bull market, obviously felt stupid when I didn't, uh, you know, lighten up at 70,000, then it dropped all the way down to 15. I wasn't liquid, wasn't able to buy back in. I was telling everybody that that would listen to buy as much as possible. Now it sits at 51. Obviously, as a former financial and money manager, uh, I can't advise someone uh, like I, I was willing to advise when it was at 15. At 51, <laughs> I'm a little bit more hesitant exactly. to give that advice. So uh, none of this is financial advice, I might add, <laughs> even, though, even though I'm actually equipped and, and uh, you know, well-informed to, to do so. Uh, this, this is really an important decision that everyone needs to make. I will say this, though. If you haven't divested at all from fiat, you're fucking up big time. And if that's gold, if that's silver, if that's platinum, if that's Bitcoin, if that's whatever the fuck else it is, real estate, yeah, even though I don't like real estate because it's too much, uh, it's too interest rate dominant, um, you, you, need to, you need to work in that trajectory. And I think that I hope that most people listening to this have already started that process. Uh, but yeah, just, just be cautious with your entry point. Yeah. Clint, uh, what would be the evidence that people trust Bitcoin more than U.S. government bonds? Well, it would be that when when there is a flight to safety, historically during recessionary periods, you'll see a lot of the money come out of the stock market and go into treasuries or T-bills. If that doesn't happen, if you see a bull run in, in Bitcoin while interest rates continue to spike, then you'll know that it's over. Yeah, then you'll know that the U.S. dollar. So is you done. would want to you would want to see it tested against the recession. Yes, Got and it. we have not seen a recession since Bitcoin's right. yep. creation, essentially since two thousand eight. Yep. So we don't know yet. Uh, we should have had yeah. a recession long ago, but the, the Fed and the Treasury have been kicking the can yeah. over and over again. It seems as if Powell is playing with fire in terms of, of a recession. Obviously, the United States Congress, the president, the Treasury, everything else is going the opposite direction. Uh, there's lots of competing interests that are at war with one another. And the little guy, which is all of us in this room and you at home, uh, we have to we have to be more nimble than they are. The The only advantage we have, the only competitive advantage we have is that we're, we're small and we're nimble. They're bureaucratic. They move very slowly. The real reason that you've seen a bull market in Bitcoin over the past month is because the ETFs got approved and you're seeing the big money managers that are flooding this market. I think that trend will continue. I think that we still have a lot to run in terms of upside for Bitcoin in this cycle, but that does mean that it's going to continue in perpetuity. So yeah, just be if cautious. If I can do a not humble brag for a second, I was on video on Luke's channel in 2011 uh, telling people to buy Bitcoin when it was 300 bucks a Bitcoin. That was fucking yeah. smart, dude. <laughs> I mean, before even people heard of Bitcoin, we were interviewing Max Kaiser about it. And I was like, what is this crazy nerd money that you're trying to get me into here, Max? But I, uh, I you know, a lot of people who are watching the old, like, We Are Change channel back in the day when no one even knew what Bitcoin was, we introduced a lot of people to Bitcoin. We made a lot of people freaking rich Send us through some money. Bitcoin. Yeah, if we made you rich through Bitcoin, we appreciate your donation. 
donations and support your support on wearechange.donate. Josh put that in the chat room, please. Because because uh, I, I always I'm I'm kind of proud of my um, advice because it was always careful advice, but it was always you should diversify. You should have your eggs in many different baskets. You should look at Bitcoin, and it, when it comes to it, I rather would have some Bitcoin than not. Uh, and and at the very beginning. Even when it was worth a couple dollars, I was still very careful because when it was worth a couple dollars, it went down to a few cents. If you invested all of your money and it went down to a few cents after it was worth a couple dollars, you would have been pissed at me. I always said, always invest where you're willing to lose. Uh, never have your eggs in one basket. Make some smart decisions for yourself. Not financial advice. Do what is right for you on an individual basis. As of course, this is something that is also related to health, which we're going to be talking to Chris about in just a little bit. But uh, Michael, uh, I hope we answered your question any other kind of closing comments or questions here yeah it was great to hear from everybody uh, i really like your emphasis that first of all just don't put in what you're not willing to lose and secondly it's totally a long-term thing just you look at it right now and it's like it's kind of a high price you know but then again things are changing shit could hit the fan this year so i appreciate that Usually the, the, the establishment keeps the economy uh, going as much as they can during the election cycle. Uh, and usually afterwards, that's when you kind of see it kind of go down. But, uh, Michael, thank you so much for being a member. Thank you so much for calling and Thank you so much for asking us that question. And then uh, I, I kind of just wanted to talk to Chris a little bit here because I, I think the same kind of financial advice we gave here, it also is kind of related to health. And if you're going to be investing in anything, invest in your health. A lot of these kind of guys on on reddit and social media are like buying all the fancy gear they're buying all their like nods and they have all this like military equipment and they can't even run a block right and i'm like why are you buying all this stuff when you're not even in shape and uh, having your your health having uh, your 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 well-being which is correlated to not just your physical health but your mental health i think is absolutely crucial i think a lot of people get it wrong and i think a lot of people are victimized against a larger agenda that is meant to make them fat and sick that's my point of view. What do you think of it from your kind of expertise? Is there a larger agenda and how do we fight back against this bullcrap? <laughs> There's probably a larger agenda for sure. Although I think that the person that you described who's buying a lot of stuff and can't run down the block is probably less a victim of the larger depopulation agenda or whatever is going on. It's probably more a victim of the agenda of marketing, you know, supplement companies that are grabbing their attention and making them let go of sight of the basics. So a lot of people want more information. Um, and a lot of the information that is available is about how people who are at nine can eke out the 9.1, 9.2, 9.3 on their way to 10 when they're operating at very high performance, that's like totally irrelevant to someone who's trying to get from zero to one. And so I think knowing where you are in terms of whether you need basics or you need sophisticated advice is super important. And as a general rule of thumb, if you think you're advanced, you're intermediate. If you think you're intermediate, you're a beginner. And if you think you're a beginner, you probably can't run down the block. So, um, so I think just knowing how to like start super basic is, is important for a lot of people. And that doesn't mean that there's nothing they should be buying. Um, you know, but it definitely means that they should be going down on the low end of sophistication as they're trying to 
build up the fitness to be able to run down the block. What 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 what, what were some kind of uh, the the eye opening moments for you? Because I I know you do a lot of studying, a lot of research, looking into all of this. What was some of the most kind of surprising facts and details that you unearthed through your journey? Um, I would say the long term insight that I've gained is really that different people have very different needs and that our own needs can change a lot over time. And so I think there's, you know, so for example, I followed vegan diet advice and it destroyed me. Um, I know, but you know, but I've come to know a lot of ex vegans. I think that's more common than the people who thrive on a vegan diet. But I also know people who just do much better when they don't eat a lot of protein and things like that. So I've really come to appreciate over being immersed in this stuff for 20 years that there are just people whose needs are totally different from mine. Um, and, but you know, it's very easy to get stuck in a rut though. If you, uh, have a honeymoon experience with some specific type of diet or supplement, and then you think it's going to work forever. And then, you know, seven months down the line, things aren't doing so great. If you're not flexible enough to let go of that ideology that you might have, then I, I think it can really interfere with your ability to see that that your needs can change from situation to situation. If, if you want to see if someone really truly is a vegan, get them drunk and put a cheeseburger in front of their face. <laughs> and we, we've seen these tests done and we've, we've seen, you know, I, mm. I, 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 what stuff? What? I mean, I, I was, it was interesting what you were saying about each person has their own needs. I'm curious to know how do people learn what their body's needs are? Because we do grow up with like, I was vegan, I was vegetarian, I eat meat now. Like for me personally, I've been through many different phases of trial and error. How do you propose to the audience and people listening to figure this out for themselves without just following an ideology. Yeah, yeah. Clint to eat shoes, uh, you know, but and, 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 that, and that works for Clint. Uh, uh, what is the him. shoe joke? I, this uh, 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 hold on. on. I'll tell you in just a little bit. Uh, but but more importantly, there are individuals who are doing things like genetic testing, DNA testing, blood testing. I always tell people before taking any kind of supplement, before doing anything, get your blood tested every kind of six months or a year, at least a year. Find out where your levels are at, but get those numbers in your hands because a lot of of the times your doctors are like, yeah, your testosterone's fine, your vitamin D's fine, but it's not fine. It's at the lowest level that it could potentially be to be okay. And it should be something that you should be optimizing and fixing and making sure you're in a good level so your body is running naturally in a good, operable fucking way. A lot of people are not running in a good, op uh, optimal way, and a lot of them are just being absolutely hoodwinked and being lied to their doctors who don't give a fuck about preventing any kind of disease and viruses. And, and sicknesses. Is, is that correct? Would you agree with me or disagree with me? So I, I think that there's different levels that you can engage this with. Um, definitely. Like, I mean, so first of all, the guy who can't run down the block, like probably doesn't need to run blood work. They probably need to start going for a jog twice a week or something like that, you know? Um, but if, if you have, you heard that Clint, <laughs> but if, you, but if you have, if you've gotten the basics down and, and you're trying to do better than, than definitely getting regular lab work is a good idea. Um, I mean, I, I go very deep down this rabbit hole with, um, you know, private clients where we go deep into analysis of, whole genome sequence, raw data, at, you know, like a, 
you can go very deep down this rabbit hole. But because I, you could also I, find out drugs that work for you that don't work for other people based on your specific DNA lineage as well and what drugs you should take and or what drugs you should stay away from as well, correct? Yeah, or nutrients, vitamins, minerals, uh, you know, macros. Um, but I, I think that for someone who is just trying to navigate this in a basic way, like one of the mistakes that a lot of people make with trial and error is that they're not very systematic about it. So if you're trying to learn something, you really need to try to, you really need to treat what you're doing as a scientific experiment. And so learning how to change one thing at a time and collect enough data that you learn something from the experience, I think is something that a lot of people would benefit from. Most people tend to be changing things randomly without really collecting any information or being able to make any kind of conclusions from it. So I think you know, a lot of people will be at the level where they would just benefit from looking more systematically at what they're doing and what the results are. And it can help a lot if you track quantitative things. Um, so this ring is an aura ring. It tracks my sleep. It tracks my heart rate variability and stuff like that. Um, measuring your, a lot of people measure their glucose. Measuring your ketones and your lactate at home can be very valuable as well. Uh, I think a lot of people miss that. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people yeah. have those like things that they inject in themselves that that gets the CDM, their blood sugar. The continuous yeah. glucose monitor. And, and and I and I think you do have to kind of check in. I think blood tests are like one of the best and easiest ways to kind of check in, see where you're at. But I use a, a Whoop and I use like a Garmin watch as well to monitor my HRV, my yeah. sleep, my recovery. And a lot of people are just like, oh, I'll take this pill or this pill. We had someone that came into the studio, saw my vitamin wall, and was like <laughs> literally just popping everything. And I'm like, you know, you should probably, uh, you know, uh, make sure sure that you're not taking too much of certain things so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, shout, out, but, shout out to Ryan Black, who, by the way, hadn't even eaten that day, and he just looked at a fucking <laughs> vitamin wall like it was a buffet line and just started shoving pills in his mouth. This dude's out of his fucking mind. Uh, he, got like, uh, he got like two billion stem cells injected into him as well, so uh, there's a lot of like woo-woo stuff. There's a lot of crazy stuff I out there. I think it's possible but, you have more supplements than I do. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. no. We, 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 we started to do research. We started wearechange.shop. I I wanted yes. to make sure that we look into products that are good and not good. Some of them work for, for, work for me. Some of them might not work for you. And I always tell people, your health journey is your own independent health journey. And this is why it's important to kind of test out. Do you think testing it out with like uh, a Aura Ring or a Whoop or a Garmin watch that calculates your sleep and your HRV, is that one way to do it? And is it, it, it do you find it uh, conducive to do it with, uh, uh, you know, one one new supplement that you try for a week or a month? How do you do this? How do you uh, do it personally? Well, yourself? yeah, I mean, it, it depends what your goal is, right? So if the thing that you're tracking is related to your goal, then that, then, then yes. And, but, you know, it's, it's also very easy to get lost in the things that are easy to measure too. Um, so I remember one time I was snowboarding for two straight days and I had stressed my hip muscles out so much that I couldn't lift my right leg to put my pants on. And two days later, I could lift my right leg enough to put my pants on. And my HRV was looking really good on my Ura ring. So I'm like, I'm recovered. So I go snowboarding again and uh, things are going well at first, but then like very soon I fall in a in a situation where I shouldn't have fallen at all, I fell much harder than I ever would fall, even under conditions where I was stressed. As soon as I got up, I couldn't lift my leg again. And then by the time I got home, I was sick. And I realized what I did wrong was I was missing common sense and looking at like my HRV and not just using common sense like, 
if I spent two days not being able to lift my leg, I probably need like two more days of rest when I can lift my leg before I go snowboarding again. And so, you know, back in the old days, they would use like a grip strength meter to see how recovered someone was to see what they should be able to get out of their workout. So I think like it's important not to get totally lost in the digital stuff that we are like the data that we're able to get um, at the expense of common sense and at the expense of the physical world. Um, you know, like you shouldn't lose sight of like, how do I feel today? And like, you know, I did, when I went to lift, did my strength get sapped and things like that. So I think if, if you have the right mindset and you understand the limitations of the data, it's very helpful to just have like a running log of how you're sleeping because you don't need to obsessively. Now, the downside to having a running log of, of your sleeping is like some people can get some people can cause sleep disorders by looking at their sleep data every day. And so you you have to make you have to realize in yourself if you get obsessive with the data, like chill out. Um, but I think it helps a lot to just have that data running in the background because maybe you don't want to look at it every day, but if you start like supplementing with riboflavin, like I think it's helping my workout and then you notice after a week, oh, like, oh, I'm getting a half hour less sleep every night. You can go back to that and say like, I'm realizing it. You, you can use that data to realize that a negative trend was developing that you wouldn't have, it, like if you didn't have that sleep data, it probably would have taken you two months before you really realize that your sleep is just sh slowly shortening a little bit each night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, but like, what do you care about, right? So if you, if what you care about is you want to be stronger, then your primary metric should be like, I go into lift. Am I still able to increase five pounds? Or like, if I go for my one rep max, where is it right now? If your primary goal is, feeling better and be able to, to, to like work more hours during the day, um, in really deep focus, you really have to come up with like how much you got to somehow quantify how much am I getting done? Um, but if your goal is to sleep better then absolutely your sleep data is exactly what you want to be looking at. Yeah. You always want to run optimally and it's, and it's so difficult because there's so many different variants, so many, so many different variables. And once you start, cause I, I work my ass off and I'm like, oh, I gotta be in top condition. I can't be, I can't be sick. I gotta make sure my sleep is good. I gotta make sure my stress is low. I gotta make sure my, my nutrients are, are good. I want to make sure my protein's good as well. So I have a whole bunch of different stuff that I kind of implement and I do kind of test out to see what's good for me. But my end game, here is to just be on top of it. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to work really hard for, for everyone. I want to bust my butt, uh, but I also want to work out and be an example to other people out there that could be inspired by this, that, that don't see this as a huge undertaking, that slowly make small steps to improve their life. Because truly, if you improve your health, everything else kind of improves all around you, your relationships with others, uh, your, your kind of financial status, your just overall health and happiness are all correlated with how physically active you could be. And that's what I've been kind of striving for. So there's a lot of things that you kind of fall. There's a lot of mistakes that you always make here. What would you say have been some of the biggest learning lessons? And has there been kind of a new innovation, a new supplement or a new technology that has really wowed you that you would kind of recommend for people to look into? Um, I would say like a, like a new, not a new technology, but a new insight that I think is super useful is I've found tracking my waking, resting lactate to be incredibly powerful as a leading indicator of a change that I'm making and what it's going to do. Um, so lactate is basically a, a signal of mitochondrial stress. Um, and Sydney Sweeney must be incredibly healthy. 
What's that? Oh nothing. Nothing. Moving on. Keep going. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, milk truck. Wow. All right. Continue. <laughs> Um, Excuse know, him. So I, I, th- I think if you look some like you were talking about the the trend of continuous glucose monitors, I think I think uh, putting some color on like what is that glucose getting turned into by looking at lactate is a is a really good way to um, add color to the insights that you can get. Um, so that, that's probably the most useful thing that I've learned as a technology. What's some of the info that you can't tell us because YouTube or on the first hour that youtube would like shut us down for oh like the covid vaccines are unsafe and ineffective (laughs) (laughs) steroids are awesome though too right yeah um we should all do steroids right well you should all you should all have steroids (laughs) in in your body no 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 but like we should take exogenous steroids i don't know if everyone should take exogenous i disagree i'm gonna go ahead and give medical advice and say we should all be doing steroids I, I dis- I'm gonna give I you medical advice tonight. I, I, I don't stand by that political message. <laughs> Steroids are awesome. Sydney Sweeney is a milk truck. Let's fucking go. Well, no, if, you're, if you want to have if, if you want to have kids, don't take steroids because you won't be able to. Dude, if you don't uh, get so, jacked, you're never going to get a bitch. So, like, it doesn't even matter. Just get jacked and fucking <laughs> just go, dude. I, I, be- I believe you're supposed to call it testosterone replacement therapy. No, these days. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about that good shit. That fucking, mm, let's go. Boy, can we get the sock story now? The shoe story now? <laughs> Look, it's real simple, Andrew. I fuck soggy shoes. That's it. That's the whole story. He's so horny that if there's a wet shoe that's dropped, he's right on top of it, humping it and making love to, to the See, shoes. See, this is what's so this is, <laughs> so this like is, I said, no downside. It's awesome. So this is, oh my god! So this is what I said. Hey guys, you know we brought Clint a gift here. Oh this god. is for you, Clint, here just to have your way here with with, uh, oh, with, Jesus with, with you here. This is this is what Clint routinely makes love to. Uh, <laughs> <Asagi> <laughs> with and that's the joke that I made, and I had to make it. I, you gave me no other fucking choice but to make that fucking joke well like, and, and now it's become legendary so and, you're welcome and, and now it's it's sticking just like the bottom of the shoe here they're that, they're uh, gonna make public safety uh commercials in the future that are gonna say this is your dick and then it's gonna have the shoe and it's gonna say this is your dick on steroids <laughs> <laughs> with clint's face laughing uh, having the time of his life look. there but no we, we, we like make jokes he started it. he started with a mama joke i was like you go after the radowski mama oh uh, fuck no now that it's was like months ago you're I, still I remembered that. I remembered that. I was like, I was like, I was like, like, oh, this guy wants to play. We'll play. We'll play, motherfucker. I made. We'll fucking fucking go. I made a huge miscalculation on making one off-the-cuff yo mama joke, and he's. (laughs) I've suffered for months because I had no idea that's where this originated. It wasn't even. It wasn't even a good yo mama joke. I was like, this motherfucker right here trying to, uh, you know. I'm like, my mom watches the show. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go after him. If it's not him, it's Seamus. So someone has to get it. Seamus, right, come I, back. Seamus, so, come back. I need you. So, uh, but uh, no, it's been it's been pretty funny to to kind of uh, sure. joke around and to kind of tease Clint, and he <laughs> started to uh, to preempt the jokes and the teases by being extremely self deprecating and handicapping a lot of my fucking jokes that I was fucking magically setting up in a way where it was like 4D chess and it was going to be well done. After his comments on, it, I was about to give him a zinger, and then he just started preemptively, uh, you know. Kneecapping them, I'm like, okay, motherfucker, let's go. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, I just decided to 
to, to <laughs> put the hammer down and describe how he makes love to shoes when they're wet and soggy and they fall on the ground. Jesus and then, uh, and uh, that, that was the joke for this week that is sticking around just uh, like your sock inside of that shoe. <laughs> and, and we didn't hold uh, anything uh, back here. But uh, no, it, it's, been, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun working. Uh, you know, we, we, Clint, uh, he definitely has a good sense of humor. We have a lot of fun here. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Yep. And uh, we appreciate you guys for, for being a part of this broadcast. Again, 100K, and Clint has volunteered to, of course, be tasered for two hours. Oh, don't do it. He, uh... If there's Andrew, someone that knows, it's this motherfucker right here. Andrew has experience getting tasered on camera. Of course, Andrew is the don't tase me bro. True. Uh, and, uh, you know, here... Atlas, okay. She, she, she doesn't like the taser that much. It's okay. She hates it's okay. it. Just like uh, I do. She's smart. Listen, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna lo- learn to love this taser, Clint. All right. No, uh, the fuck I'm not. No, I'm we're, gonna, we're we're reaching a hundred k subscribers. Hundred k subscribers. Clint volunteered to be tasered oh, on, on camera. So um, Andrew has a lot of experiences with that. And uh, yeah, subscribe. It's going to be fun. Hundred two hundred k subscribers. I get tasered. So uh, lots of fun here. Lots of self deprecating. Don't tase lots yourself, of- bro. <laughs> we needed that one, uh, Andrew. But uh, this was a great show. Uh, Andrew, where can people find and support your work? Uh, you could find me. I, I have a hard time saying x.com. I like Me Twitter. too. I like saying Twitter as well. And you have that Alex Jones and you have that Alex Jones video game as Stephanie is on her phone, not ch- not clicking on the buttons here. What are you doing on your phone that's so important, Steph? Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna I was going to follow Andrew on X. Yeah. Well, if okay. Elon Musk starts uh, you know, throwing down for right wing films, I'll I'll call it X. At that point I'll call it X. Right now it's still Twitter to me. So I'm on twitter.com slash the Andrew Meyer. And if you want to support me, buy the Alex Jones video game. Alex Jones, they're trying to liquidate his entire estate. That's the new story. Uh, they are going after his pocketbook hard. They want to shut him down. So you want to support me? You want to support Alex Jones? Buy the Alex Jones video game, alexjonesgame.com. You can play it on the website right there. You can play it on Steam. Uh, either way. And if you don't like playing video games, buy it for somebody you know. Buy it and send it to them because it truly is a fun video game. If you enjoyed 90s Nintendo-style Contra games, this is that but way funnier because it's Alex Jones taking down the New World Order. So you can support me there. And real quick, I wanted to go into the left field earlier. You said James Lindsay. When I was on uh, TimCast with Luke about a year ago, James Lindsay was live tweeting, talking about me, saying, what's this guy talking about the Zohar? What, is he crazy? Mm. He believes this book right here, very powerful. I've given it to Luke before. I have it. I still have a copy of it. Literally the soul of the Bible. You can go to Zohar.com. I brought these these little pocket size to give to people just for protection. Very, very special book. And uh, James Lindsay that was live tweeting wouldn't respond to me when I got back to him. Uh, James Lindsay, I'd love to talk to you about the Zohar sometime. You are totally wrong. I want to help you find God. Anybody else that wants very powerful spiritual connections, Zohar.com. You don't mess with the Zohar. Next episode, you're going to see Clint's hat just gets smaller and smaller and he's going to be a Zohar <laughs> follower. So uh, that's going to be awesome to see him. 
<laughs> I can see it. That'd be fun. Chris, thank you so much for uh, sharing your uh, your knowledge and information with us. Where can people find out more information about you and check out what you're doing? Thanks for having me. It was great being here. Uh, ChrisMasterJohnPhD.substack.com is my newsletter. That's where all my long form stuff is. And of course, you can find me, Chris Master John, on pretty much any social media channel, including X. I got struck the, the shoe lover. I got struck by YouTube today, and I can't. I uh, can't console myself. There's what did not, they get you for? What, 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 what did they hit you for? Right, what so, was the information? That so you, they that, they said that I spread misinformation by taking a video and and purporting it from being uh, current when in fact it was years old. Old. I told the audience in the very video that this clip of. Uh, Navalny talking with an MI6 agent in London was from years ago. He's dead. There's no way I could fucking portray it as being from current times. I was very clear it was years old. So YouTube is fucking me in the ass because I told you guys the truth. If you've never listened to my show, I'm telling you right now, this this episode that I did today, I fucking just absolutely go ballistic. You should you should listen. If you're, if you're ever going to listen to my show, listen to today's episode. Liberty Lockdown is the show. You can find it on Rumble or you can find it on any audio podcatcher. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the best political show so that you never miss an episode of this fantastic program. Yeah, Steph. we finally updated the podcast app and uh, all the podcasts have been updated. So we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Find us there by looking at thebestpoliticalshow.com. And I think we have you lined up here. Yeah, you just type in Liberty Lockdown on Rumble, and then you could find uh, this, this weird guy right here. Why is it Liberty Lockdown? Lockdown is the opposite of Liberty. Because our liberty was locked down in 2020, and that's when uh, we started it. I didn't know that. Yeah. And by the way, our liberty's still motherfucking locked down, and we ain't done yet. So <laughs> strap in. Steph, we are changed. Woohoo! All right, guys, remember make love to shoes, not war. <laughs> not war. <laughs>